Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk shoes. Recorded, Recorded live. live. Uh, May 25th, 2017, it is about 7.31 p.m., it says, up here in Maine, East Coast. Chilly again. We have a nice warm day and a nice sunny day, and then we get about several days of rain, three or four days of rain. So it's been a little bit of a delayed spring, and, you know, we get a little anxious for spring up here. So makes it a little hard. And... Um, I have been not feeling well for like over a week, so it's been, I think I got sick Monday after Mother's Day, so whatever day that was, the 15th, I don't know, I think so. Anyway, it was a siege, as we call up here, it was a siege, meaning it was um, not just feeling a little under the weather, but feeling really, really sick. And I kept thinking, should I go to the hospital? No, I'm not going to the hospital because they're just going to, you know, do nothing and I'll just have a bill and so I'm not going to do that. So I, I pretty much, I believe, cured myself at this point. So let's just let it go with that. Um, not to be indelicate, but it relates to the digestive tract. Um, and um, ate dinner tonight and actually felt hungry for it. So I think I'm okay. My temperature's back down again. But I had a temperature and everything. It was like... Are you kidding me? When it went over 102, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So who knows? I say it was eating sweet potatoes because I'm not going to do that again. I have a feeling that I got a reaction to sweet potato. And um, so I'm not going to do that again. We'll just skip that the next time the opportunity arises. (laughs) Anyway, I hope everybody's doing okay. Um, some of my regulars are not here tonight. I don't know whether they realized that I was doing it or they just, you know, tired because I didn't come last week and they're just, you know, going on to other things. It's fine. I don't mind one way or the other. It's just the way it is. Um, as usual, the chaos is continuing everywhere. Uh, most of it is self-inflicted chaos brought about by liberals, in my opinion, not by the Republicans. Um, some of the ways that they're convoluting their bodies and minds to uh, create narratives for their own agenda are just mind-boggling. I mean, I sit back and I watch those things and I think, wow, that was pretty pretty clever. And I don't know, maybe it's my old school teacher days. <laughs> maybe it's the fact that I've seen people make up stories before that I recognize the genius in some of it. It's evil genius, but it's still genius. Anyway, Desert Peaks here tonight. Um, and it's good to see him, too, out on the West Coast. Well, I, because I haven't been well, I have spent a lot of time sitting around and watching TV and watching videos and doing this and that online and not really having normal life, I mean, for several days in a row. But things are starting to look good again up here. We're starting to feel like we're getting ahead a little bit, which is helpful. Um, I am having more creative ideas now that I have the stress of my rental business off of my mind. 
Um, it does make me angry that I lost money on that deal. However, I'm just going to move ahead and I'm going to do something different. I'm pretending like I'm starting over completely. And I've had some really cool ideas. So I'm working on some of those and uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, we were just talking about it before my boyfriend left to take a ride around tonight. He, uh, he, he's built something really cool in the, in the yard and he does that kind of thing. Um, individual items. And I was saying, you know, if we could just make a certain number of dollars a day, we'd be fine because we live simply. We don't have big tastes. We don't think we have to have the best of everything. We just want to be comfortable and secure, and that's enough. And so we like to enjoy what we're doing. And I think we can do that. I think we're going to do that rather than be concerned about everything else. <clears throat> I've noticed that a lot of the social media lately has calmed right down as far as anything. I think it's I think the content's being removed from Facebook just like, you know, a lot of people were saying would happen. Um and they're dumbing it down to the point where it's boring. And I think that um it's going to be a mistake for Facebook to do this. But it's their model. Let's see what happens. Um I was sat there one day, I was not feeling really great, and I was just scanning through Facebook for quite a long time, and I thought, you know, there's nothing on here. <laughs> there's really nothing on here. It's like, you know, pictures of cats and um, people saying something ha that happened to them that made them furious, and people sharing their family photos, and not much else, really. I mean, we've seen a few news media stories like um, about the removal of monuments in the South, which is upsetting to my friends. Um, they don't think it was a great idea to do that. Um, I have a friend that lives in Georgia who was very upset to see you know, what was going on down there. Um, she's a very strong woman. She's, you know, she's got the Confederate flag on her page saying that it is not a racist symbol. It is a, a symbol of their Southern heritage. It's their Southern history. Um, I believe that it's wrong to erase history. I know that it is, um, it's kind of molded to fit whoever's in power. I mean, that's pretty obvious down through the ages that whoever's in power tends to have their stories be the, you know, that, hey, we're the victors and these are the losers and minimize the losers until they are barely mentioned. However, for people to really study on how groups of people interact, they have to know what occurred. It has to be factual. And um, removing monuments and references to things that happen in history is just, you know, that's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous whether you agree with it or not. So, um, and, uh, uh, Desert Pete's saying that friend list is still there, but nobody posts anything anymore, afraid of starting an argument. Yeah, um, some of my friends have, have drifted off. I, I don't follow certain people because I got tired of hearing people that I thought were respectable, uh, mature adults saying things about the president as though they were out on a playground at school, and I thought, this is crazy. I mean, there were they went over the line so far that I thought, at what point do you not hear that you're taking away another person's humanity? Not just 
that you disagree with their point of view, but you're taking away their humanity by the comments that you make. And they couldn't see it. And I don't think they still do see it. So there's no point in having that just irritate yourself, you know, when you want to see what's going on. So I just unfollowed some of those people. I didn't unfriend them. I did get unfriended, and I've talked about that before. Some of the people closest to me who unfriended me, and I was quite shocked by it because I thought, you know, at the point where you can't speak anymore, you can't talk about it, you can't say, you know, hey, I disagree with you. How close are you then? You're not really that close. You just thought you were. So anyway, lots of stuff happening around. Um, we have... We have things going on here in the city of Bangor again that are just upsetting as heck, and you know I got to see a lot of that over the week. Um, one of the things that happened was a, a building that was taken, well, not taken yet, condemned by the city, and it's somebody who I've known in the past. It was a business person who um, also has a body shop. I think it's still open, but at the point where my husband had passed away, I took my husband's truck to him to see if he could do some repair work to the body of the pickup truck because I knew it wouldn't pass inspection with the, with the holes in the body that were there. It was on a Chevy truck. It was a common thing that happened to a lot of people's Chevys where the they call them cab corners. They had rusted through. And um, <clears throat> he was the kindest, most gentle man, very nice to me. I knew him at that time from interaction down there. Um, I don't remember if I had the work done or if I just said, I think I did have the work done, but I'm not positive of that. Anyway, um, I'd run into him a couple of times here and there, but it was back that far. It was like the early 2000s. And then um, probably three or four months ago, I'm thinking, maybe not, maybe it was last fall, uh, my boyfriend and I have this thing where we're on Thursday nights. I told you before, um, we would go and eat pizza in our car, and we'd watch who's coming and going. We had places we would go and watch who's coming and going because it's where the mucky mucks would um, go to eat dinner together and stuff, so you could see who was hanging out with who. It was kind of just like a little, kind of a jokey surveillance thing. Couldn't really call it stalking because we weren't looking for any particular person, but we were sitting in a certain place eating pizza and just seeing who's around. Well, we've we had relocated because that place that we used to go all the time became busier, changed owners, and so it was, there was never a place to park near enough. So we picked another place to park, and it was near this building that just got condemned. So we were sitting there one night, and we saw somebody walking on the sidewalk, and I can't remember if he was looking around or looking around the building or what it was, but it probably was a nice night and we had the windows open or something. I recognized him and I said hi to him and he came over and he says, have you seen any people hanging out around this building? And we said, not really, no, not more than normal. I mean, people hang out in Bangor because we have a lot of oddball people around nowadays. And um, so he says, well, he says, he says, I'm having an awful time. He says, they hang around my building, they keep going in it. He says, and the city is like giving me a hard time and all this, and so we talked to him about stuff. We talked to him about what was going on in his life now and all these different things. It was the same guy. So anyway, to make the story shorter, because he was 
saying how he had to keep coming down and chasing people out away from his building, telling them to get away from the back of the building, telling them not to hang out, and if they see any other people hanging out, to tell them to get lost, right? Well, the city said that they found people squatting in the building, and so that gave them the reason to condemn it. And uh, it was in the paper. Um, <clears throat> he owns several buildings, apparently. I'm not sure what the other ones are, but just from the comments and stuff, I'm feeling badly for him because I'm seeing a whole pattern going on here. And I've talked about it before. It's not like it's the first time that anyone's heard about it if they listen to this show. But the common attitude nowadays is if you own something, that other people can tell you everything to do with it. They can boss you around about it. They can tell you what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do. And it's a commercial building and it's a vacant building. So they have rules for that. And he is um, probably kind of upset by now, I would imagine, because this happened. And I don't think it was something that he expected to be coming. It's something that I believe the city is using in a arbitrary manner, which is that it depends on who you are, whether or not they do something like that. Um, the building is in a location that's visible to a lot of people as they pass through during the day. It's near the areas that have been worked on and developed. Um, it's just, it's an upsetting thing. It's an upsetting thing to see because w what can a building owner do when they get to the point where the city that the building is in is working against them. Now, I thought about calling him. I thought about going to see him and saying, you know, if you do want to do a lawsuit, let me know because, you know, what's just happened to me recently. What just happened to me recently was that the city used its power to, that without formally denying a utility, it ended up denying a utility to me, electricity. You have to have it. <clears throat> you can't be having somebody moving in if you, they can't have electric lights on. So whether it was done intentionally or not, I don't know. But I have seen some stuff. I've heard some stories from people saying that, you know, their mother's house, you know, people living out of state, they come back and see something on the door of their mother's house or something because their mother is in a nursing home or somebody is, you know, just checking in on the property once in a while. And the cities are taking advantage of this. They're going and, you know, they're making rules about stuff. Like you can't have a building that's empty. You can't have something with the power off for a certain number of months so you can't turn it back on. I mean, that's not like that everywhere. It's just in certain places. So it devalues the property. It devalues it very quickly because how are you going to sell it at that point? How do you sell a condemned building or even get a tenant? <coughs> anyway, so I was feeling pretty bad about that too. I was reading about that. Um, then last night on the news, they were talking about a homeless encampment down by the river and how they had told these people to get out and they hadn't gotten out yet. So that at 8 o'clock this morning, they were going there to remove these people if they were still there and then dispose of their stuff, you know, just get rid of the whole thing. And apparently that took place today. There was another story on the news tonight that said it was... Um, Pretty much there was no problem at all. They gave the people some vouchers for food. I don't know where they went, where they're going to sleep tonight or anything. But it's just an attitude is that, you know, we have to take care of these problems. We have people panhandling. People have various 
you know, ideas about whether that's okay or not, um, whether the people are lying or not, whether they're doing that instead of getting a job. You know, and it's all it comes down to is the same thing over and over again, is over-regulation. There were always bums around. There were always people around with no money. There were always people that were homeless, always. It's not like, you know, it's a new problem. It's just that the problem was addressed in a different way. And most of us who had, you know, older relatives who knew something about this topic said that they remembered how, you know, when people needed it, where they would go and who would feed them. There were always people around that would feed somebody. Go to this door, knock on the door, and tell them that you need a dinner or whatever. Now, I don't know what's going to ever come to, you know, helping this out until we get rid of the regulations. I understand that people have a need to know what the rules are on certain things, but it does destroy the economy to have so many rules and regulations. It absolutely destroys it. And I believe it's one of the reasons why Donald Trump was elected president, because there were people like me and others who watched our hard work go down the drain. And it was like, wait a minute, what the heck just happened? And, you know, when, when something is happening to you like that and, you, and it's sudden and you, you had no way to plan ahead for it because you had no idea it was coming, there was no way to know that. And people are sitting there saying, well, don't take it personally. It's just the way it, just, it's just the way it is. It's just the economy. It's just this. It's just that. It's the banking thing. It's the insurance thing. It's, you know, that's, they have to do this because they have to keep control of what's going on. Because otherwise people could die and people are starving and there's people with no money and they don't have an education. And all the reasons, all the things that happen and all the reasons that they say they happen, you know, don't take it personally. Just don't take it personally, right? Anyway, I think that when it comes down to their job, their house, their family, they all take it personally. It's just that they want to say that when they're not having any stress and no issues. And a lot of the people that are having no stress and no issues are working for the government or in some way the taxpayers paying part of their their salary. So they don't have that urgency of, oh my gosh, I gotta get out there and earn some money. I've got to do something or I'm gonna, you know, not have my basic needs met. Well, I've been looking at this stuff a lot lately, as you know. I've been thinking about it a lot. I look at the situations of my good friends and how hard some of these people are suffering right now when there's no need of it, when they were perfectly fine until they were messed with. And I know there's people right now in the chat that know this, that have lived it. It's hard for somebody who's never done that to understand how it is. So, you know, I was thinking about that a lot, too, is that maybe, you know, it's hard to say, but maybe it is a blessing because where do you get that knowledge but from living it? So I guess we need to just keep talking about it. We need to keep sharing it that, hey, you know, not everybody that's having a hard time is a loser. Not everybody that's having a hard time is unwilling to work. And some people are just, you know, they're not able to work anymore because of what they've been through. It's like it puts you into a state of, like, PTSD, really. 
it's like how the heck do you go back to something where you've just been abused? How do you how do you go back to that and ask for more? Could you please give me more abuse? I would like to have some more abuse. I'll work for you hard and you can take my entire paycheck. Just it's I don't know, we have to have people that are willing to talk about it because a lot of people they just they curl up in a ball cuz they can't figure out what to do to get out of it. And I don't know. I'm kind of rambling again. I'm sorry. For those who came late, I was saying, you know, I've been sick for like a week and a half, and I'm just now starting to feel a little better, so I don't know how long I'm going to be able to stay on. But it's been a rough week. And it was, I think it was self-inflicted. I think it was from eating sweet potato. Desert Pete was the only one here. He got to listen to me talk about the sweet potato. But I love sweet potato, and I ate a great big sweet potato. And the next day around noon, I had pain in my stomach, and it really didn't leave until probably yesterday or the day before. I even had fever and everything. I think I had a total blockage at some point, but I was darn well not going to the doctors or the hospital because I knew what it would cost me to do that. So, and ironically, my doctor's office called me on Friday last week, and it was out of the blue, wanting to know if I'm still wanting to be the pa- a patient of hers because I haven't been there for, I don't know, or three years. I'm not sure, but I thought, oh my God, it's a sign. I'm supposed to go to the doctors or I'm going to die. <laughs> but but I just thought, no. I said, no, I'm going to try some more stuff. So I tried some more stuff and I think I'm on the mend now, finally. So <clears throat> I'm thinking that, yes, there's a lot of scammers out there. In fact, I'm working right now with... Um, Hampton Inn representative because I made a reservation um, for a Hampton Inn about two weeks ago, I think, and canceled it within an hour, and it apparently wasn't the Hampton Inn, so I got billed for it, and I so I have contacted Hampton Inn, and they're working on it, because I said, you know, why was I billed for something when I never used it? But there's lots of scammers and there's lots of people who will use trickery and deception to get money right now because it's not just the fact that everybody seems to need money, but it's also that there's really evil geniuses around. And they're working an angle all the time. They can't earn money the honest way, so they have to screw people over and get it any way they can. And sad to say, I was hoping I would never have to learn this, but I did eventually. It took a while. Um, I'm just, I'm learning not to let these people around me or too close or if they start to take a step towards me and they have that in their mind, I just tell them I'm not interested in that. And they're almost like shocked. Oh my gosh, how did you see it so quickly? Um, Learned it. Hard knocks. That's what happens. You learn things. Um. Now uh, my my <laughs> chat room people here are giving me some helpful advice on stomach stuff, so that was good. I'll tell you what worked the best. This will make you laugh because I didn't think this would. I didn't even think it would work. I was like, no, that's not going to work, and I hate taking something because I I'm scared of the reaction I get sometimes. Was the simple gas pills. I mean, they're cheap, and it. It worked the best, and what it was was it was um I think it was because it just relieved pressure 
and the pressure was probably causing the problem. But I never even thought about that. So I never even thought about it. I tried a lot of other things that usually work. So <laughs> Val Am just was about to fall asleep and thought Thursday, Uda. Well, I almost skipped it again, and then I said, you know what? I'm going to get too used to skipping it. I need to come in and at least try. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see if you know I can sit here too long. But um, last week I couldn't have done it. There was no way I could have done it last week. Let's see. And eight came last Thursday too. Sorry, eight. Um, I know. I, I think I canceled late, didn't I? Um, $15 an hour is not going to kill America any more dumb than it already is. Well, Desert Pete, you know what? That's a big controversy here in Maine because it is killing our business. <laughs> Part of the reason is is that we really don't have the money to sustain what we do here. And our culture in Maine, most of Maine, I'm not talking about Portland ever when I say Maine because Portland is like its own entity, and they'll tell you that. They think we should be darn glad to you know, be living in the same state with them because they are like God or something. So I, I don't even like hearing about Portland anymore. But So when I say Maine, I'm talking about everything but Portland and actually some of the elements and some of the other smaller city, small cities too. But um, in Maine, a lot of our, our sustenance has come from the fact that we are of the mix people that I've told you about before. We're, we're related to each other in some ways. We've gone to school together. We've, we've married into each other's families. Our families have been here a long time or something, or we've worked together because there's only a million three hundred thousand people. And there, of those, I mean, there's large segments that are children or, or, you know, very elderly or, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't still in the working world or not in it yet. And so, We've tended to help each other out. We've tended to care about whether or not somebody can keep their house or that they have good enough rates so that they can finance their next crop and then pay it back when they sell their crop. And if the crop's bad this year, then try again next year and sell and get it back the next year. Or if it's bad the second year, then to borrow again and get it back the third year. And that's not how things are these days. Now everybody's cracking down. They're treating every state, every locality in the United States as though they're the exact same, and they're not. So if you can't borrow from the bank because, hey, you didn't pay us back within 12 months, so we're not loaning to you again, you're ruined. If you can't pay your taxes because you didn't have a crop come in like normal, you're not able to finance it till the following year, and now you can't pay your taxes because that's the only way you ever earn money because you have these great big pieces of equipment that you use to farm to grow potatoes or whatever, you're ruined. <laughs> Somebody in your family gets sick and you don't have insurance because you can't afford to pay the insurance, you're ruined. So they're taking our state down. The $15 an hour thing is like just another nail in the coffin basically because a lot of the the restaurant business and that type of, of industry in Maine is seasonal. A lot of it is. Um, and the people are, you know, as far as who they hire are like college kids and um, people who just need a temporary job. They're not going to stay past the time that school starts again. Or they're um, going to make their, the money is going to be made for that restaurant within that summer period. And then they're closed the rest of the time. They go maybe to another state 
like Florida or something to work down there for a while. So the employers are doing various things to keep going and to stay afloat and to make it worth it to work in Maine or to operate their business in Maine. And if they can't do it because they've now added $15 an hour for employees, they can't get as many people, they can't operate the same way. It's I understand the thinking behind it because I have somebody close to me who feels that it's just immoral to have people work for less than that. But I go back to the same thing I always have said. It's a contract between two people. They don't have to take it. They don't have to say yes. It's not really abuse if you agree to it. It's like, you know, if you say you'll work for $10 an hour, who else is supposed to come in and say you can't do that? You can't work for $10 an hour. It's too much control. It's too much regulation. It's not a permanent job. You're not a bread-winning head of the household when you work in a restaurant for the most part. You know, it's like trying to put things into boxes and categories instead of just taking the simplest idea, which is that it's a contract. That's how I see it anyway. And I did work in restaurants before. I have friends, young friend, younger friends. One of them was a former tenant of mine that I still have contact with. And she was um, working as a bartender and as wait staff at different restaurants in the area. And she was extremely upset because the state had passed this. And I believe they went and redid the law, which was that tipped workers were going to be treated differently because the tipped workers were making a lot of money because um, even though their wage was low, they they were allowed to make a lot more money in tips or they were making more money in tips and it affected their tips as soon as it happened. They don't even have that much money yet. It was supposed to be implemented gradually, I believe. So it was like, whoa, talk about a sucker punch. You know, they're telling everybody that we're making more money, so they're not tipping as much, and we're not making more money. (laughs) So may as well just take that money right out of our pockets. So anyway, let's see what else is going on in here. Oh, they're still doing stomach, stomach cures. Okay, let's see. I have had extra magnesium. I've had um, tissue salts, which is magnesium phosphorus under the tongue where you let them dissolve. Those seem to help some. Um, I had boiling water with lemon and honey in it, which seemed to work really well too. Um, I had fish oil, um, vitamin C, colloidal silver, green tea, and I think that's it. I'm trying to think what else. Okay, put a dash of cayenne pepper in some water and drink. It helps clean out the liver and purify blood and relieve constipation. Wonderful. Except for the thing is cayenne pepper is one of the things I cannot eat because I think I have a food allergy to that. I believe that that's the pepper. There's, there's one hot thing... And I think that's it. Uh, Baking soda, yes, I've done that, Dottie. Baking soda and water, I'll do that all the time. That actually works pretty well, too. I had tried Pepto-Bismol, which 
made some people around here laugh. They're like, are you kidding me? I said, hey, I cured myself once after being sick for two years when the doctors had no idea what was wrong with me. I went and read medical journals. The reason I did that was because I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm going to sit here and die because these doctors can't figure out what's wrong with me. And they kept telling me it was my nerves. And I said, it's not my nerves. I've always been like this. I've had stress and tension since I was a little kid. I, it's my normal. And I'm not having, this doesn't feel like that. It feels like I'm sick. And they kept saying, well, there's, you know, blah, blah, blah. You hear some antacid, try this other thing. And all I did was get sicker. I was, I couldn't even eat anything. And I was losing weight like crazy. And it was like two years of this misery, trying to raise kids. And I finally, I mean, I was a librarian. So we had a tour of the hospital library on one of the classes I went to. And I went, you know what, while I'm here, I'm going to take advantage of this. So I go right over to where they had all these medical journals that were just coming out. This was back when everything was print. It wasn't all online back in those days. And... um and our Eastern Maine Medical Center had a really good library, too. I mean, the public could use it and everything. It was great. So I, so I sat there for a minute. I went through all these journals, the most recent ones I could find, and I looked up things like ulcers and gastroenteritis and all kinds of different things to see if there was anything new. And what came out right then? It was the study that those Australian doctors did on why people get ulcers. And it said right in there, it's a bacterial infection of the stomach lining. And I went, yes, vindication. How do you tell a doctor that they don't know what they're talking about, that they should read the medical journal because look what you just found, right? Because they're telling you antacids and you need to do something about your anxiety, et cetera, and your high-stress self, your nervous, your nervous being, the fact that you're high-strung, you need to do something about it. I'm like, okay, tell the Pope not to be Catholic. That'll work. But anyways... I felt vindicated because I knew I was sick. And I, and I was like, okay, so what do they say you should do? Set on there, put the patient on antibiotics, which I knew I couldn't get because you need a prescription, and bismuth. What's bismuth? It's in Pepto-Bismol. It's the, it's the ingredient in Pepto-Bismol. So I said, fine, I'm going to cure myself. So I started taking Pepto-Bismol, and I cured myself in two weeks with no antibiotic. So... I need a medical degree, okay? I'm not a doctor, but I play one on the Internet. Okay, so what else? Um, drinking water with lemon in it sometimes will help, too, if you have heartburn. I find that baking soda is better for me, but sometimes lemon water helps a lot. I don't know why. just depends on what it is, I guess, whatever it is you ate. Hi, James. Can I saw that it says you're sorry you're late. I'm up the page a little bit. I'm reading down through the chat because I was sick and I'm still not completely well, so I'm just like talking through the top, off the top of my head until you guys tell me to shut up and and uh, whatever occurs to me. Okay. I don't want to just give it up. I really don't. I think it's important that we see people that have a clue what's going on in the world. Once in a while, touch base, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, someone said, hi, Jean, how is you? Oh, Jameskin says, and Valium says, eight is John. 
Our ear is 104, Ginger is 102, and James Ken and Bellingham are just snapping it all away. <sighs> well, we had temperatures this past week that were pretty hot. I went out to get in my car. I think it was one of the days. Yeah, it was like one of the days when I thought, okay, I feel good enough. I can go out and pay a bill. I'll just do a loop, and I'll feel like I got out of the house, and, and I'll be right back. Well, I headed across to go out through where the airport is, and and uh, I looked down, and my brake light is on. I'm like, what the heck is that? I don't have a brake on. But when I had left my driveway, the, what we call Toyota temperature, because it tells you in the car what your temperature is, said 100. And I went, 100? Are you kidding me? That is really hot. So <laughs> I drove around town. I went over to a store came home and it said it was 94 then but that light coming on I thought how am I going to get home I had to sit out here in my car waiting for I don't know what somebody to come by and say you want to ride home which you can't really do nowadays but um, I called home and and uh, my boyfriend said sure you can drive it home he says actually if you accelerate you'll probably release whatever it is so I go up the hill I was at at that point I was out by where the there's a a bunch of buildings out there that belong to the University of Maine. There's some programs that run out of Bangor. And so I went up the hill, and uh, and I just floored it. They probably thought, what is this lady like out of her mind? I floored it going up there because there was no one around. It's like a you know a small road. So it didn't come off, and I thought, well, okay, I'll try it again. So I floored it again. Nope, didn't come off. So I thought, well... It's either going to seize up and I'm going to be walking the rest of the way home or whatever. But what an adventure this week was. I'm telling you, we've been driving it. It hasn't given us a problem, so it's probably just a computer thing. Okay. Yeah, Dottie says the state's nose is in too many personal issues. That is correct, Dottie. And I've been trying to figure out what I should do, if anything, to address some of this because what I just said a while ago and what I've talked to you about before is that we're in unique positions. It's one of the reasons why they feel they can shut us up because they figure there's only one or two of us. So what are they going to, you know, what can we really do about it? Well, I plant my seeds all over the place and I know you do too. I plant my seeds all over the place. I, you know, with my issue with the electric for my building and why I had to sell it, I talked to the electric company itself. I talked to someone in supervisory position there. I talked to the PUC, which is supposed to represent the ratepayers and doesn't. Um, and the city knew what they were doing and they were referring me back to the city. So it was going in a circle. It was like, okay, complain to the utility and they say we can't do anything because the city says we have to do it. Talk to the PUC. They go, we don't have that uh, power. You have to go back and talk to the city. Um, actually, talk to the utility because they're the ones that are doing it because of the city. So they, they referred me back. So I was just going in a circle. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go back to the city, the ones that are doing it to me, and ask them, please don't do this to me. Come on. That is, like, ridiculous. And, I, and so I just told everybody wherever I talked to them, I just said, this isn't right. You do get this isn't right, right? You do get that my property is being devalued, that I can't get a utility, that the person next door can. That's not right. Well, we can't do blah, blah, blah. We can't do anything about it, blah, 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 blah. So 
my next thing was, under what authority are you denying me electricity? Under what authority? And they, when they said the city of Bangor, I said, so is it written authority? Is it a letter? Is it a law? Is it a phone call? Did somebody send you, a, I think I said, shoot you an email? Text you? How did you find out that you had to do this? And it was like, because uh, 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 I don't think there is anything formal. I think that they just make up shit as they go along. <laughs> Sorry about my language. But I think they just make it up as they go along. Like, well, it seemed like a good idea. Why are you against such a life-saving um, practice? Why would you be against something like that? Because you're losing money that I earned? Because now somebody else is getting the benefit of my work? Any other, any other reasons you'd like to hear? Because as you get older and you get bolder because you're just sick of it, it comes out. You don't care anymore. And so some of us are in a position where that's good, where we can actually use that. And what are they going to say? You're lying? No. Here it is right in front of you. Here's my closing statement of how much money I made on this sale and how much my assessed value of that property is. And you already know how many months, you know, since I was refused electricity until the time I had to sell it. So here's how much money that I had a potential of earning and then this much if I'd been able to go on from there, which I was planning to do. And so what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? And at one of the places, I said, I hadn't decided yet. I said, I think I need to write something to the governor about this. And I think that because the electric utility in Maine is, is being pressured in different ways, somebody somewhere said, send her back her deposit check because it showed up about three weeks ago, I think, out of the blue. And I'd been begging them to send it to me. I'm like, send me my deposit, my deposit back. You know darn well I don't need to have that much money on a deposit for a light account that I don't even have anymore. So it came back. Anyway, I'm not sure. I'm still thinking about it, but we try to protect people that don't care. So it's like I'm protecting people that really don't, they don't even bother to check on how I'm doing. So I'm going to stop protecting some of these people. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, well, the other thing, too, now I'm going to the part where Vellium and Desert Pete were talking about the minimum wage and stuff. And the other thing about that is I worked for, and I'm not saying this because I'm saying, hey, I'm better than that, but I worked as a skilled worker. I didn't have a degree. So as a school librarian, I had a lot of responsibility considering I had no degree. So I wasn't actually a teacher. I had a, an elevated title. And it was so that I had the ability to work with children without having a teacher present. I could supervise myself, in other words, because I had a background in what I was doing. It would be like having an auto mechanic teach at a shop class that isn't a teacher. It's, you have specialized knowledge. You can work with kids. You can teach them things. You can supervise your area, whatever it is. It's called EdTech 3. It's a little higher than the other EdTechs that work with students directly under someone's supervision. So. I had all the responsibilities. I had the um, um, ability to spend money. I had, you know, ability to plan out programs and do all kinds of things as though I were an actual school librarian in other schools or other states. And I didn't make that much money doing that. 
I did have some benefits on the side. However, it was a deal I took, so therefore I'm not saying that I should have been paid a lot more because the going rate at that time wasn't that much, um, and I felt I was on the higher end of it. By the time I finished working, I'm thinking if I made 14 an hour, I would be probably close. I can't remember how much it was because, honestly, it was so pathetic by the time I got my check because of the things that were taken out of it, like co-pays for insurances and things like that or you know, paying into the whatever it is, your tax money and stuff. You know, And they were paying every other week. So sometimes it's like, okay, this isn't payday week. But I didn't need to worry about it because I had other ways of getting income. It wasn't like my only way to eat or anything. And so I took that job. And I also could use my skills. However, I gave like 20 years of my life to the school system, Department of Education in Maine, only to get screwed at the end of it, which is like, you know, I want to say the story of my life, but that's not really right. I can't say it that way because I had other things that happened regarding the end of that and moving on into another thing that I had benefits too. It wasn't just the loss of income. It wasn't just the loss of benefits. I learned things all along at every stage of my life when things changed drastically and unexpectedly, and that was one of them. So I had to take my retirement early because people in the main state retirement system did not have Social Security. We had a main state retirement system. I had to take it early, so I got penalized. And then because I took it early and got penalized and I could not pay what the penalty was, I got my wages garnished because I'd gone on to work for a friend of mine, which I've mentioned, um, doing office work. I had to do my own paperwork to garnish my own wages. And I was making like $100, I think, after they got done taking what they wanted out. So it was like, you know, this is this nightmare going to end soon? Please let it end. But So that's that's where I come from. I come from the fact that I started when I first was working, I worked really cheap for the, we were kids, we were working in potato fields and stuff, babysitting. Then you start working as chambermaids, restaurant workers, et cetera, and making a minimum wage or close to it and tips. And then from that to working as, you know, working in schools. And the most I ever made an hour was probably fourteen dollars an hour. And so people coming in and working for $15 an hour when they're starting doesn't seem fair to me because where are you going to put those skilled workers, the people that have put time and effort and education into it to be able to be a, an hourly worker with skills? Where are you going to put them? What's their, what's their pay going to be? Because it can't be $15 an hour if you're paying somebody who's basically dragging in half, you know, half-groomed on a Monday morning as though they're the same, because they're not. And to an employer, they're not the same either. They don't feel they're the same. So it's not this much money for this person's one hour of work. You know, every person's one hour of work, because every person's not the same. Some people are more motivated. Some people are more with it. Some people get it more. Some people can take responsibility. Some can't. So that's it's a hard it's a hard thing to really talk about, especially when you have a lot of different viewpoints of it. Um, it's I know that the deserving to live right does it, Pete. I get that too. 
I had tenants that were having a hard time, and I felt like it was really wrong, some of the situations I saw. Like, for example, one of my tenants who, who had been with me for a long time, and he ended up moving in with the boss. He and, he and like, three coworkers moved in with the boss because the boss couldn't give them their check on time. That's against the law. <laughs> but he says, well, I'll just let you move in with me, and then, you know, you'll have a place to stay. You won't have to worry about getting your rent paid and all that stuff. Well, look at the position that puts the person in. Now when they get paid, it's going to be applied to the rent where they live with the boss. The boss is going to get to have their work and also not have to pay them. So it's like, uh, that sounds a little like slavery maybe. I don't know. It didn't last very long because I did see that person again, and it didn't last very long. Let's see. Apple cider vinegar. I tried that before too, Dottie. I didn't do it this time because I was in too much stress and I thought it would make it worse. Um, Yep, so now they're talking a little bit about California's basically what we say over here in, in New England is that California just gives out everything to everybody. It's not value it's not respected in Maine what California does with that. Um, God. Eight don't be saying stuff like a aortic aneurysm. I don't want to hear that. <coughs> See, I have enough imagination. I don't need to add anything to it. I believe I'm getting better now. I believe I did have a blockage and I believe it was from sweet potato. So I'm not eating that again. <clears throat> okay. Let's see. Valium says, well, if they headed to Honduras, Mexican police will stop them, confiscate it as stolen. Then the cartels see the cops driving a new car, and then they take it from the cop. Jerry Brown helps out the drug cartels. Well, they have the... Um, they have the uh, confiscation stuff, the property confiscation for supposed drug dealers and stuff, and we all know what who's who set that up. We know that able danger people know who set that stuff up. And they use that money for their own little projects. So that is obviously unconstitutional. You can't just take somebody's stuff. They have to have that seized through, um, they call it asset forfeiture, that's what it is. You have to go through courts to take somebody's property away from them, and that's not how it happens. So it's unconstitutional. They shouldn't be doing any of that stuff. Um, Probiotics, yeah. You mean like yogurt and stuff? Yeah, I do that too. Here's Ginger talking, A-L-O-L. Yeah, are you saying that I'm all around? Is that what that little smiley face twirling is? Yes, I do talk around all kinds of things because it's free... It's a free-floating, what do you call it? It's like when you do the stream of consciousness, yes. Stream of consciousness writing, when you just, whatever occurs to you next. And I know it's convoluted and it's difficult for people, but I'll tell you, I'm most creative when I'm like that. So I can be brought back to focus at any time, so just be careful. I might suddenly snap too and that'll be there. Um. Valium, no, the parking brake was not on. I did check that. One thing we learn in Maine is how to take care of our cars, northern Maine. 
remember, I'm excluding Portland down there. I don't think they even know how a combustion engine works. Um, or check the brake fluid. The brakes are working fine, so it's not that desert peak. We're going to take it back over where it got its work done and its inspection done about a month and a half ago and see if they maybe can just put the computer on it and see what's going on. Could be a sensor or something. <clears throat> Let's see. Draw up impeachment guidelines for getting rid of whoever made that phony rule. You know, somebody ought to do something. <clears throat> yes, Dottie, exactly. I'm noticing that, too. Dottie says, one good thing. The evidence proves that the merry-go-round they keep us on will catch someone in a lie. And isn't it the truth? They don't know what to do because they used to be able to just, you know, float anything, and people would say, yeah, I believe them, and no one would go back and check anything. Well, now you don't have to go back and check anything for the most part because a lot of the um, issues are recirculating and the people that follow these things and read up on these things and we're watching everybody, they know instantly. They're like, hey, that's not what you said last time. I think it's scaring them half to death because they don't know where someone's going to pop up and, and call them out on being a liar. But it's happening to them. Um Dottie says, happening with the Secretary of State. Yeah. Here's the thing with the Secretary of State. Here's another thing that happened. C8, this is where I'm going off on another tangent, however, because Dottie mentioned the Secretary of State. We've talked about him before. In, this, in Maine, the Secretary of State is, um, let's see, he's elected, right, Dottie? He's elected? I'm thinking he's elected. Because it seems like I remember voting. Anyway, the Secretary of State in our state is a partisan person. He's a he has a constitutional office. However, he is a partisan person, just like our AG is. And he has a hard time staying neutral. If he even thinks that it's important, I don't even know anymore. But we had a, a vote in our legislature this past week, which was to, um, the bill was, uh, whether or not people could be punished for lying before the legislature. Like, for example, you're brought in to testify in a hearing and you lie. Can you be punished for that? And they voted, no, you can't. So it's like, okay, well, that makes all kinds of sense. So uh, people like Dottie and me, we get the roll call vote and we know exactly who voted, yes, it's fine to lie in the legislature, and the ones that said, no, it's not okay to lie in the legislature. Well, in the course of the article, which I have not been able to actually find in the, I tried to do a search and find it, but I couldn't. For the Bangor Daily News, I saw it on Facebook. I didn't see it on the actual online version of the Bangor Daily News. But in the article that I read, there's Matthew Dunlap giving his opinion about this, about that it should be, um, that they should vote yes, that, I mean, that they should vote not to punish people who lie. And I, think, I forget how they had it worded so it would come out for the right vote. But anyways, so I'm sitting there and I'm reading that and I'm going, what the heck has he got to say about it? Why is his opinion in there? And then it goes further to say that he testified before the legislature before and he had said something and, and later had to correct it because it wasn't true. And he said, I would hate to think that blah, 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 blah. 
And uh, all the whole time I'm reading this, I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. Lying is something that people do with intent. And if you're telling something you believe to be true, you're not lying. You're lying when you know it's not true. So I'm like, what the hell? So then I look, and sure enough, he was on the same side as his wife, who was in the legislature. So he bolstered up her her uh, position. Isn't that nice? Isn't that so great? Doesn't it make you feel warm and fuzzy how close we are in Maine that our spouses are in the legislature and we have a Secretary of State's office? Isn't it great? <sighs> what they do is they just use a different last name so nobody knows, but people that watch, they do know what their last name is. Okay, anyway, that's just me. I wanted to know if anything ever happened with that, if anyone even noticed it, because I don't think they did. Her name's Michelle Dunphy, by the way. So, she thought that it should be okay to lie at the legislature, too. So, was she voting her own mind, her constituents' views, or her husband's views? I just wonder. Thanks, Valam, for giving us a um, link. That's cool. I never even got back in and looked at last week's links, and there were so many in there, and they were good ones too, but I just didn't get back in there. I mean, two weeks ago now. Um, so if you want to get links from the chats and you, and you don't want to have to write them down now or try to keep them now, go to chatgrabber.com and enter the show um, ID, which is 94426, and then choose which episode you want. Tonight is 279, and it will give you the chats, and you have all the links and everything there from whatever we were talking about or what people shared. Um, Bellium is saying they don't dare take out another president. They got away with Johnny. Ron was a warning. This country will not, I repeat, will not stand for another. Um, I believe that that is pretty close to the truth. I really do. There's a lot of people that will just sit there and watch whatever happens and just say, oh, well, what do you want me to do about it? But there are others who are saying, I won't take one more, I won't let them take one more step. And they're, they're holding at this point, and they're still saying those things. And it's like, I just hope to heck they don't try anything. Because no matter what, no matter who is attacked at this point, there are people right behind them saying, um, I think not. So I think you're right, Valium, about that. Um, let's see. Desert Pete says, fair is something you attend once a year, eat cotton candy and hot dogs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Valium says, skilled worker. I is quitting and going to work for McDonald's so I can make more money. Yep. Pushes on and the deep state will not hold back this summer. Now, I find that really interesting, too, that people are talking about the deep state constantly. And remember when everyone was told they were crazy and conspiracy theorists when they said, hey, there's a shadow government, there's a deep state. Oh, you guys are conspiracy theorists, there's no such thing. Well, now they openly talk about it like, hey, it was their idea in the first place to talk about it. Of course there's a deep state. Come on, folks. There's people that spend their whole career working in these jobs. They don't change jobs every four years because someone new is elected, and we all know this just from common sense. You have to have something in the structure that's operating all the time to give the stability. 
the people that come into office, if they have anything to say at all, may be able to give a little bit of a guidance here and there as to what people might want. But in general, they do whatever they want to do. They continue on the practices they've always had, and they have policies within their own sections. And uh, one of the things um, that I heard mentioned, because I've been watching Jay Sekulow as well. I told you I'm really liking Jay Sekulow's show at noon on I've seen it on Facebook. I've seen it on Periscope TV. But those guys are going into background. They're telling about cases. They're talking about uh, personalities. They're close to the stories themselves. Jay Sekulow has even been in the Oval Office talking to Donald Trump. And he also has a nice band, by the way, if you get a chance to listen to it. Great music. Um, So I've been listening to them because I'm just, like, really appreciating the work that they're putting into the you know background of things. We're not just hearing headlines from them. They're actually showing stuff. They're talking about the issues and giving like legal cases and basis for things, bases for things. Um, so I was listening to that, and they were saying about how who was it now? It was Brennan, I believe. He was saying how uh, Donald Trump had broken. I think he said the protocols or something. He'd broken the protocols. And Jay Sekulow says, what the heck is that supposed to mean? That's not a law or anything. Protocols are just what people do within their own group to, you know, keep their their <laughs> structure running or whatever they would call it, their group running together. Those aren't laws. That's not a law. You don't bring stuff like that. You know, so every noontime everybody stops and eats dinner together is not – that's a protocol – that's not against the law because you decided that day not to do it. But they were making it sound like the president had done something really horrible. And he also called him Mr. Trump, and that was brought out too. It's like these people are not giving the president respect by calling him President Trump. They're calling him Mr. Trump or Trump. So we saw that quite a while ago too. We saw that probably right after the inauguration and continuing that they were doing that. So. They just want anything that will stick, so they're going to try something every single day. <clears throat> Jameskin says, it is not natural to have a job and work every day for someone else. It's not at all natural. I agree with you, Jameskin. I think that even the factory jobs that they used to have, there was more humanity in that than some of the things that are happening now. And the reason is because people could go there and work, and they could do an honest shift and come home. They didn't have the responsibility brought home with them. They didn't have to worry about where their job was the next day because they knew that they still had it. Um, There were abuses, by all means. I know that, too. But things were different then. There was more stability. There wasn't this constant anxiety of, what am I going to do? How am I going to feed my family? Because they knew they could work there. They knew they could go to work at whatever time the mill started, and they'd have a check. So... I think a lot of this uncertainty is really cruel, especially on the young people. The ones that I know, like I said, one of my former tenants that I'm still in, in touch with, she has little boys, they're preschoolers, they're twins, and she's always concerned. What's going to happen? How am I going to raise my boys? You know, How am I going to take care of them? And they're, you know, people are taking like assistance because they have to, for the most part. We don't have like people just laying around. For the most part, the people I know that are taking assistance need the assistance, and they're afraid. 
the assistance is meant for them. That's who's supposed to get it. It's not supposed to be traded for drugs or, you know, here's my EBT card and give me that whatever it is that they want to buy. They are actually using it for what it's intended. So, um, <laughs> Bellium, yeah. They probably don't know what a combustion engine is. And if they did, they'd be upset because it's not green. I, if it's not green, I don't know why we need emission standards because, you know, there's a reason we have emission standards. It's supposed to make it green, right? So if it's not green, then why are we doing emission standards? California emission standards, the last I heard, and maybe that was maybe we're not now, but we were because everybody thought how stupid that is. Why is Maine needing to do California emission standards when the air is coming across the entire United States across Maine and then across the Atlantic Ocean where it gets largely cleaned anyway. It's like, in what way is Maine benefiting from this? But we don't go by that anymore. We're not supposed to get benefits. We're supposed to hand all our benefits away to somebody else. Um, let's see. Yeah, I know in Mexico the cops do what they want and the cabal does even more. I'm aware of that too. Um, if you if you were here at the time when um, that agent Brian Terry was killed, um, I knew someone whose son-in-law and daughter had just located out to Arizona, and he he that's what his job was. Her son-in-law's job was, and he had just he had just gone off his shift 15 minutes before that happened. He knew that man, so I don't know if it was the exact same job or if they worked in proximity proximity to each other, but it was like, man, they just got out there and this happened. Uh, you know, that's like, holy cow. Not that one person's life is worth more than another's, but it's just the fact that that's close to home. In fact, when they were living here, they lived near me. So I was like, I could look out my windows and see the house they lived in here. And they go out there and that, that happens. It was like, are you kidding me? And really, what's happened? Not much. It's like, so, a Border Patrol guy got killed. So what? That's how people talk about it. It's like, who? Who's Brian Terry? Well, I'll tell you who he is. He's somebody that was a Border Patrol agent protecting your country, and he got shot. And you know what he got shot with? Guns that people from your government sent down to Mexico and came back through on purpose. I mean, so they could say they were doing something. I mean, how disgusting. What kind of scandal is that that's just laying there? Yep. Come on. Um, yep, I remember that, Dottie. I watched all that stuff that you guys were doing regarding the judges. He, the Secretary of State in Maine is going to be one of the people um, with um, the Elections Commission that Donald Trump, President Donald Trump sorry, has started. And the other person, I believe, is from New Jersey, is it, Dottie? It's another person that you knew. I didn't. But, and we're thinking, my gosh, what is going on here? Well, I guess if you're somebody who has had a few things happen around your area, maybe, maybe the president thinks this would be good because... They'll know how it's done. 
whatever the, you know, it's not necessarily, in other words, that the person has integrity. It just may be that they know how it's done, okay? You know what I mean? Let's hope that that's what it is because I was kind of surprised, too, at who was chosen. Um, let's see. Eight says, when you're our age, $15 doesn't sound like much. That's for sure. I did. I was doing my job out of the love of it, honestly. I loved teaching kids. I loved librarianship. It was, you know, I was building up a, a resource for that school, and there was nothing there when I came, really. It was very sad. They'd spent money, but there was nothing there. They took, they had like a school library that was made up of books that people brought in out of their attic and their kids' toy boxes, and there were, there was not a lot done there. So I developed it, and it was a darn good school library when I left. However, the building has since closed due to school consolidation, and I don't even know whatever happened to the books. I didn't dare ask. I was afraid it would be the end of my you know, day. I'd be like sitting there in a heap because there was so much work involved in doing it. Um, you know, I even thought at one time, should I try to get the money and buy it? Because it was a whole collection of supporting material for kids' curriculum. You know, I did that out of the goodness of my heart, really, because I didn't have to be down there. I thought it was something I should do. It's like, you know, this is your calling in a way. It's what you're good at, so you're going to go down there and do it. And, um, you know, it, it was shocking to me how easily people get discarded. And I, I think that it was, you know, it was just unbelievable because these people, I mean, when you do a job like that, you serve everyone. You serve the teachers. You serve the community. You serve the parents, the children, and the, you know, this administration, and I did all that. So I'm proud of what I did for work, but I'm telling you, it was like, oh, well, she's gone. <laughs> you know, thanks so much. Here's a candle. <laughs> Literally, that's pretty much what it was like, too. Here's a nice candle for you and a card. All right. Um, someday I'm going to write my book. You guys will love the book because it's going to be really truthful. And it's going to name names probably. Maybe I won't name names. I'll make up new ones that will be sort of close. I don't know. Everybody will know. If I wrote the book, they're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But I'll say it's fictionalized. And no, um, no what do they call that? Something about the person. The identity should not be assumed or something like that. <clears throat> Like the life of Riley. You know what? I've forgotten the life of Riley until you just said that. So I'm not quite sure I'm getting that part. I bet you watch your money carefully. 12.50 for the last four years. Yeah, and look, James, again, you're practically like, you know, you're independent. I mean, you're just, you're doing your own thing. You could you could make more than that an hour here just working independently, I think, because there's always people looking. <clears throat> Jameson says, just be calm and know that they will reap wrath as that is what they have sown. 
I'll tell you, I was noticing tonight, and I won't say why because it, it relates to somebody close to me personally, but I noticed that plus some other people that I saw in the news in the last day or two. They look horrible. They look haggard. I think the draining is happening already to the people that are doing the evil stuff in the world because just look at them. Look at their faces. It's like there's nothing in there at all. So um, I was trying to think one of the ones in Maine that I noticed. Uh, Shelly Pingree, she's one of the representatives. She's for the southern part of the state, and she was married to the rich newspaper guy. Um, what the heck was his name? Dottie knows. We used to call it the Pingree Press, the Portland Press Herald. She looks like she's aged about 20 years in the last couple of years. And they were living high on, you know, high on life, you know, jet setters type of thing. And she got divorced from him. I don't know if she has other issues or not, but these people, I think they know they've lost and that they're not getting it back, but they're just going to keep trying anyway to beat their heads on the wall. LM, several reports saying economy crashing, folks aren't even buying new auto parts, must be getting used or rehab parts, which they don't track. Um, oh, Dottie, I was talking about who else is going to be on the elect elections commission for President Trump other than Dunlap. Um, Valium, the thing about buying of new auto parts or parts, you know, we belong to several thrift and swapping sites and things like that and people are they're selling the weirdest stuff and trading the weirdest stuff so I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they're doing things like used or refurbished parts people are selling cars that don't run anymore um, they're selling other equipment that doesn't run anymore for parts um, and I think in general places in the United States that are off the beaten path where people are having to survive the best they can, you'll find that there's very resourceful people around still. And they haven't given up yet. So they're doing whatever they can. And you can find almost anything on those trade sites. Um, let's see. So what time, what are we doing, James? Why are you giving us a time check here? Is it because I'm talking too long? So just asking. Yeah, Susan Collins is going. Is she going to be on the um, election commission too, Susan Collins? Or are you talking about something else that we were saying earlier? Sussman, that's it. Donald Sussman. I wonder who divorced who. Was it him divorcing her or her divorcing him? I'm not sure. <clears throat> but that was Shelley Pingree's husband. Yes. She got to fly around in private jets and really live it, live large for a long time. Okay. Yeah, draining the swamp, right? Plugging up the swamp. SOS from New Hampshire. Okay, I don't know who the SOS from New Hampshire is. So I was thinking it was New Jersey, but I guess it was wrong. Yeah, um, Susan Collins hasn't really looked good for most of her adult life. She really started to look faded right off, I think. My theory, like I said before, is that she got compromised early. And it's just, 
a feeling I have because, like I said, I knew her in high school. She's a little bit younger than me, like two years, I think. And she was just a shy girl. She was a very sweet, shy girl. And think about who's the easiest to compromise. Somebody in an office that's sweet and shy, all you got to do is, you know, take them to one of those hideous parties that they like doing and then say, there, there she is. She's having a great time with all these people. And, you know, that's how they do it. They compromise people unexpectedly. And then what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Come home and tell their parents? You won't believe where I just was. So you're going to do this for us, Susan, and you're going to shut your mouth. Okay. I won't say anything. I really think she was probably young when she was compromised because she's nothing like she was when she was younger. And I don't think she ever really sounds like she is uh, forcefully giving out any comment about anything, any issue. She's very wishy-washy. They like to call it bipartisanship. That's sort of her thing is to say that she's bipartisan. She's bringing both sides together, et cetera. But look who she hangs with. Look who the people are she's been around the most politically. And, um, you know, I just, I feel like, I feel like that she's, you know, she's had a long career of doing exactly what she's told. Her father was a state senator, I believe. I know he was in the state government, but I'm not sure if it was rep or senate, but his name was Donald, Donald Collins, Don Collins. Very popular, nice looking man. Um went to my church. See? It's Maine, I'm telling you. Yep. We all know people. We all know people, we know their brothers and sisters, etc. She was from my hometown, that's why. Okay. Rent just went from seven ten to seven sixty. Oh fun. I hope that includes something, James Ken. Eight says, Does anyone have solar? We have a lot of people up in New England here that, that really like solar. My um, my neighbors at my camp are from Vermont, and they're all, they all talk about solar all the time. Um, thing is, what would people do this last couple of weeks or three or four weeks? It's been cloudy most of the time. It would be very hard for anyone to get much out of it for how much they've put into it. There is solar going on in Maine. There are large solar arrays around. Um, one of my relatives has taken some drone footage of some. Um, I'm not sure what town it's in. I can't remember. Seems like it's towards western Maine. But I don't know any people that have solar in their homes. But it could be that it's the high-end houses, and I don't really have a lot of friends in the high-end strata of society right now because I can't stand talking to them. I used to know lots of them, but I just can't stand talking to them. They've turned into something different now, and it's like ugh. they feel they make you feel like you're unclean because you're near them. You know, we're go- we've gone back to a caste system of some type, and I just won't tolerate it. If somebody does that to me, I turn right around and walk off. I don't even address it. Um, <clears throat> Dottie's question because you want an answer. Um. Okay, what is the question, James? Can that you want an answer? Okay. 
problem. Lots of sun, but no money for solar. See, now, to me, where you live, Desert Pete, would make sense to have solar. It doesn't make sense here, but we have we have uh, crazy people in Maine. They're they're doing their agenda, whether it works for us or not. They want to try to outlaw wood stoves. Are you kidding me? That's like free heat for a lot of people in Maine. Free. You can't get a better price than that. So, you know, they took out all these little dams. We had hydropower that was great because you can't really stop water when it's flowing, and we have it all over the state. We have streams and rivers and waterfalls and all these places that could generate electricity very easily. And, no, you can't have that. But, by gosh, we could blow the top off of a mountain and stick these hideous wind masts up. That's because of Angus King. So we talk about energy all the time in Maine because we try to generate energy or the people making money do, and then we don't even use it for ourselves. They send it out of state, and that's supposed to be good somehow. Well, I think a lot of people are waking up to the BS about it, so... Um. Uh, let's see. Dottie, do you remember where Susan Collins started, really, when she started getting into the uh, power circles? Do you remember where she first was? Something I found or remembered. I can't remember now whether I knew it or, or just found it a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. Coming down to the end of the chats, you guys. Yay. I've been talking for a long time, but I missed you. Have a windmill. Yep, if you have a lot of wind. See, it depends on where you are, James Ken. That's the whole point. What if you live in a place where it's usually calm? Then that's not going to work. It's like being at sea and having a sailboat. If there's no wind, you're sitting there. So in Maine, we have wood in abundance. We have flowing water in abundance. We have tidal in abundance. And so what do they talk about most? Wind and solar. Duh. Doesn't make sense. I think it's because somebody has, you know, money to be made, whatever it is. Okay, so let's see. I think that was the end of it. Um, from day one in Congress, you contacted her. Yep. Well, do you remember where she was before she held one of those offices? That's what I was wondering if you knew. Who she was associated with. I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. I'll have to look again, but in my memory, that's who she was working with. <clears throat> All right. So I guess... What else is going on? We've got the president out of the country right now, and while he's out of the country, people are trashing on him, which is really horrible, and what they would say in England is very bad form. Um, it's certainly disloyal. If somebody doesn't like him, that's fine, but they should keep their mouth shut because it makes all of us look stupid. Um, there's no point to it, in other words, other than undermining. And when you undermine the president and you undermine the country, what does that do? It doesn't make you look very good. <clears throat> Criticizing is different, by the way, than undermining. Yep, that's right, Dottie. You win a prize. I don't know what it is yet, but I'll have to think of something. Bill Cohen, yes, she worked with him. And um, 
people will remember he was a senator and he was also Secretary of Defense um, for quite a while. And, uh, you know, people have wondered about some of the things he's done too. So we have Mainers that are active and busy everywhere. Um, one of the other connections I found to Bill Cohen, which I was surprised about, was Christine Lagarde who is, uh, I don't know if she still is, but the International Monetary Fund person. I was very floored because I thought, how the heck does she know him? She used to translate and help him with his French constituents. So that's how he knew her. It's like these people, you know, there's not that many of them. So there's a lot of interesting relationships between them. And the only reason I really found that out was because I was just casually listening to a video one day and she was making a speech and she mentioned it. That's why I say, listen widely. You'd be surprised what you pick up in somebody's just casual comment they make. It's like, oh, and back when I was, you know, doing something for, you know, Senator Cohen, and I'm like, what? She knows him? You know, I just, it, it like clicks something open. Okay. Okay. So, John, you just got an offer to have your supper made for you. Bellam is being very nice. She's going to cook for you. Black cherry pop. Oh, my gosh. John, I love black cherry, and I love the fact that you say pop. We used to call it pop when we were really young. Don't know why, because it's not something common in Maine. Maybe it was something from Canada that came across the border with the people there or whatever, but we called it pop, soda pop or pop. And then later people started calling it soda, but it was pop. I remember saying, can we go get a pop? Yep. Black cherry pop, orange pop. That took me back. All right, so I'm down at the end of the chat. What do you guys want me to do? Continue on talking. Um, Nine o'clock, let's see. I don't think I had anything really big in my links because I really didn't do much this week, like I said. Um, I, saved a I saved an article on the 14th of May. Acadia among 200 federal advisory committees abruptly suspended by the Trump administration. So he... He did suspend a bunch of um, these different committees and things regarding, like, the, I guess, the national parks and, and probably monuments, et cetera, because they were everywhere. Like, probably duplication, because I can't imagine that you need all these people doing the same thing over and over again. I don't know for sure, but I never went back and read it. And then there was one that I kept that was on May 12th, and it said, New York City Jail's Chief Joseph Ponte, I guess it is, who used a city car for trips to Maine. They made him resign, um, or he is resigning, one or the other. That was it. So if anybody's interested in anything they think that I might know or want to get a, you know, any background or anything I might know about it, just send me an email to gingercookie87 at yahoo.com, and I will see what I can do to answer whatever question it is that you have. So far, so good. They haven't kicked us off talk show. Um, I won't ever take it for granted, that's for sure, because I think they're silencing people as fast as possible. They're working on Sean Hannity right now. Um, and people just need to keep talking. They, if you watch somebody and you see that they're under threat by advertisers or 
their corporate boss or something, then just if you can, you know, call or do something that stands out. Don't just like sign a petition or send an email that they can just so what? Here's another one. Oh, a negative, a positive, a negative. They just count them. They don't read them. Try to find a different way where they'll actually look at yours. And if it include, if it means that you have to find out the address to the uh, CEO's, you know, suite or whatever send a letter directly there to somebody obscure, not necessarily to that CEO, but to maybe a different name in the office. So they go, well, this isn't really for me. I need to give this to the CEO. And then they get it handed to them. It's great. You can do these different things if you think about them. You can figure out how to get something into somebody's hands directly. Um, And a lot of times they're just flabbergasted. It's like, oh my gosh, how did they find out? How did they get this to me? Because they have layers and layers to protect them when they're in the corporate life. They don't want to deal with the little people. They just want to go play golf. Leave leave the leave the uh, people on the phones to deal with the little people while they're screaming and ranting and raving at them. <clears throat> Let's see. Oh, Dottie put up a link to uh, an interview with Charlotte Isserby, Um from what, January 25th, it looks like it says. Yes, John, they're taking down the monuments in Louisiana. How crazy. How crazy. You know, what's next? They need to take all the monuments down, in my opinion, because if you're not going to memorialize anything and you're not going to talk about historic sites or anything that happened in the past because you're trying to erase it, which I've already heard they're going to do that with the curriculum with school children is certain things they're not going to cover anymore because they think they're irrelevant. Hello? We have to learn by our stories. We have to learn by what people tell us happened in the past. And I agree that it's not always accurate, but first person or primary sources, as they say, are accurate because they're from the witnesses. They're from the people that were there. So you can still get to it. You can still get to it, but it's going to be a lot harder. So... Um, you know, rip down the Christopher Columbus statue then. Take that down. Because Christopher Columbus was no nice guy. We shouldn't be doing Columbus Day either. He was not a nice guy. He was a genocidal maniac is what he was. So, okay. Um, And the other thing about Louisiana, like I said, that's my brain. My brain's going off to Louisiana now. Um, We were just talking about Louisiana this week. Because, remember, that's where the monarch sent, I think it was the queen. Which queen? I don't know, because it was early. People that know their European history will know. But when the um, people from Canada that were of French descent refused to give their loyalty to the, crown, to, to the British crown, basically, they were sent to Louisiana. There, there's where you're going to live. So those people are related to the ones in Maine, northern Maine, and New Brunswick area. <clears throat> the same families, the ones that were loyal and the ones that were not. The ones that were loyal stayed up here, and the ones that were not went to Louisiana. So Mainers do feel a kinship with the French people of Louisiana. They had a big Acadia conference uh, two or three years ago where People came from all over the place to reunite these families, and they had huge family reunions where 
they would just put up a sign of what the last name was, and anybody was invited to come that had that last name, and they tried to put their genealogies back together. It was pretty cool. It was a really interesting project. A lot of the stuff, see, because we've taken so much time with it, it's starting to come back together and kind of form a, a bigger, you know, a bigger picture. Okay. Take down the Capitol Record building in Hollywood, deny we ever had vinyl records. There you go, Desert Peak. What the heck is a vinyl record? What good is it now? We don't need it. What about the uh, eight-track tapes? <clears throat> sure, Dottie, you can tell any jokes you want. Desert Pete, are you coming on tonight to give us an update? I don't know how much longer I can stay, so I would like to uh, get done sooner rather than later if I can. I'm trying to think if there was something to do with record industry. It seemed like there was because I thought of Desert Pete. Now, what the heck was it about? Crazy share, probably. Um, Nope. Oh, shoot. A lot of the old musicians are passing away now because they're getting up there in age, and it's hard to believe because we always thought of them as always staying young, you know? Oh, here's Dottie. Oops. Hi, Dottie. Hey, guys. Hi. I didn't realize you were going to call in and tell us. Well, it, it's too long to type out. It's not, it's a short joke, but um, more than uh, ten words, you know. Yeah. I'd have to uh, send this twenty nine times. <laughs> all right. Just on a on a funnier note, with all this crap, um, there's a um, a couple, a senior couple that went out for breakfast. And Val, I saw you were eating eggs, and that reminded me. Like Paula goes off, but she's reminded. <laughs> so I went off. Anyways, this uh, senior couple went out for breakfast, and they had a senior special. Two eggs, bacon, home fries, toast, and coffee for two ninety nine. And uh, the waiter comes over and asks what she would like, and uh, the older woman says, well, I uh, will have the special, but I don't want the eggs. So the waiter says, well, then I'm going to have to charge you like a, a la carte, you're ordering each item separately, uh, and that's three forty nine. She said, "Wait a minute. If I don't order the eggs, it's three forty nine. If I order the eggs, it's two ninety nine." He said, "That's right." Okay. She says, "I'll take the special for two ninety nine." He says, "How would you like your eggs?" She says, "Raw and in the shell." And she took them home and baked a cake. <laughs>
the comment I put in the chat, 104 weather out here and 102, uh, I think you mentioned it before everybody got here. Uh, you were running a temperature of 102. It was almost 103 at one point. Yeah, that that was yourself, not not the air temperature. So yeah, yeah I didn't didn't connect it, but you're right. Yeah, we're, we're in summer weather here, and yeah, I still don't have the air conditioning fixed in the car, and my roommate had a dental emergency. I had to run him to the hospital yesterday, and wouldn't you know, it's in the middle of the afternoon, 104 degree heat. Suddenly we got to drive 30 miles. I'm amazed that vehicles run when it's that hot. Honestly, seems like everything would get all melty, like the rubber and you the gaskets and all that. I don't understand this old Honda that a friend got for me, but it seems to thrive in the seat. Uh, huh. On on a 120 degree day. Yeah. I remember doing a long drive across the desert, good 50 miles, and uh, that engine was just running relatively cool the whole trip. That that temperature gauge just didn't move. Uh, and I got. Yeah, I made the mistake of, uh, I was just curious how hot the car gets parked in the sun, so I bought one of these Dollar Tree cheap thermometers. The thermometer exploded. Yuck. <laughs> Did you have to call the hazmat team, or were you allowed to just throw it in the garbage? Fortunately, it was a, a red alcohol uh, thermometer, not, not oh. mercury. But, uh, but it, it just blew out the bottom. And, uh, Did they let you have mercury in California? I'm just wondering. Uh, probably. I haven't really haven't seen any, and I sure don't You know, when we were kids, when we were kids back in the way old days, and I can say that to you because you're the same age, but when I was six years old, I remember sitting at the science table and playing with mercury on the table. Uh, same the here. the science table. Yeah, we touched it and everything. It's a wonder we didn't eat it because we were little kids and we wouldn't have thought anything of it. Yeah, we we were collecting it in our hands and rolling it around, and the, it the chemistry teacher said, "Well, you you shouldn't be handling it." And that's all he said to us. He didn't tell us tell us it was going to kill us. I don't remember anyone saying not to handle it because that's what we did with it. I mean, what would be the point of even having it there if you weren't going to touch it? We rolled it all around the table. We played with it. Probably played like ping pong or whatever with it with our hands. Somehow we survived, but then again, both of us can list friends who died in their 40s and 50s uh, for who knows what reasons, for a variety of reasons, and uh, they didn't quite make it as long as we did, so at least we're still here to to hold UDA shows and do other other projects. Uh, There was a thing over on what really happened today of uh, the Chicago uh, school district is $9 billion in debt. They only have 381,000 students. That is Chicago economics. Uh, when I was a high school kid looking at various schools to go to, and young, dumb kid that I was, oh, I didn't think about economics in my future, so I ignored it. But uh, one of the most historically noted economics professors in, in in recent American history was Milton Friedman, who taught at the University of Chicago. Um, University of Chicago is on the south side, and that's where Obama comes from. And we now see, several years later, how great all that great economic teaching was. Uh, the city, just the school system is $9 billion in debt. 
So what so, do they think they're going to do? Just continue pushing that ball down, you know, like they well, say, kicking my, the can down the road? My point is both Obama and the whole education system in Chicago is part of the mob. There's nothing intelligent up there. Uh, and, and Obama ran the country the same way Richard J. Daley ran uh, ran Chicago back in the 60s. Uh, the, there's just no element of respect. You you were commenting about we should be using the term president in front of Donald J. Trump. I agree with that. Uh, but man, Obama doesn't... The, the only adjective I would put in front of his name is a vulgar word I won't use on your show. And uh, he doesn't even qualify for Mr. Well, I think that <clears throat> I think that the thing with Chicago too that there's a lot of um roads that go back to Chicago. They keep it's like you you talk about some person and they say, "Well, I originally came from Chicago or somewhere in that area." And it's like, "Is everybody from Chicago?" I don't think that can be possible. But <laughs> Valerie Jarrett's mother, a very well-known person in early childhood education. She yeah. I knew her name when I saw it, and I went, "That's Valerie Jarrett's mother." Barbara Bowman, her name is Barbara Bowman. Um, Erickson Institute or something like that. And she did some other things, early childhood education things that I'd heard of before. I'd heard of the programs. I'd heard of her name. But, you know, it's like, oh, well, rolls off people's back. Yeah, well, her mother did something in education. Well, these things to me connect. I think of them as, all right, so you can influence people from a very early age. And then you've got people like Valerie, who's like, she's like the puppet master. She's like behind the scenes doing things. People thought she was completely controlling Obama. Probably still is. I think she's living there still, right? I mean, it's like, why can't people go into, like, where these people are from, who they're related to? They just don't seem to be able to, con- even if they know it, they can't continue that connection and remember it. The other thing I remember about Chicago, and I bring this up when somebody mentions Chicago, was that they were teaching all their children Chinese. They were the first school system to do that. I don't know if they continued it or not. But, I mean, why would you pick Chinese to teach to your entire student body? That would be an ambitious project. It's a difficult language to learn. It's not like learning French or or some other, you know, related language, Chinese is very difficult. And they picked that. I think it was because they figured they were getting ready for the global economy and they wanted their kids to have an advantage because they'd be able to, you know, speak Chinese. There were all kinds of innovations they were doing, and I'm sure they spent a lot of money on those things. So, well, One academic tool I actually believe highly in our uh, aptitude tests are generally pretty good. I'm sure you can find a flaw in, in anything, but uh, I had never really encountered one until I applied for a job at Lockheed, and they made all job applicants go through an aptitude test. And they found an area that I understood rather well, and it actually worked out pretty well for me. Yeah. It, it led to 11 years of employment, so uh, no no complaint on that. Um but when you talk about uh, various complicated topics, there's just some things that some of us just can't tackle because just nothing clicks. And my gracious, Chinese is one of them. 
I mean, I can't imagine kids having to go through that <clears throat> because it's it's hard enough for some of them to even learn how to speak English correctly. It would just confuse them. Other kids are they have that aptitude. They can they can pick up languages very easily and they can learn several at once. Yeah. Not every kid though. Well, so, you know, uh, that that lady I knew in Lithuania spoke five languages and that was all because she grew up in a multi-language society and had to yeah. not only know Lithuanian and Latvian and Russian and English and I forget what the fifth one was but uh, uh, but when you grow up in that environment and as a child you, you adapt rather quickly but growing up in the Midwest everybody spoke English and even the two Cuban doctors in town <laughs> made it a point to speak English. They they didn't want to shame themselves by, by being caught speaking Spanish. Yeah, well uh, the thing was that the whole the whole priority was to assimilate, not to bring your own culture. So yeah. if people spoke another language they didn't do it openly, they did it at home. Yeah. That happened in Maine. I mean we had people who I'm sure that Dottie even knows this too, and knows people that didn't want people to know they spoke French at home. Um, but where my boyfriend grew up, it was common for people to speak French, and they didn't—they were not ashamed of it. In fact, they—if they would speak French at home, whether you'd understand it or not, because that was their home, and they were French. So, you know, they yeah. didn't do it out. They didn't do it out in public, though. And you could not tell, which is really funny. You couldn't really tell that they were um, speaking French a lot of the time out of sight because their English was good. Like you wouldn't know they were doing that, so they try. A lot of the French people in Maine tried to keep their language alive. They they still talk about it, trying to keep it because the younger generation isn't really doing it. <clears throat> to those capable of doing it, more power to them. But uh, don't try to force it on me because man, two years of Spanish in high school, I can't do a complete sentence. It's... We learned we learned French in school because it was the language of the UN and it was also we had people that spoke it but it's it's different in Maine the Maine French is different than Parisian French which is what we were taught but we learned all that and then now we have like our big corporate stores and stuff in Bangor and they have their if they have an alternate language it's Spanish and we all think it's funny as heck because it's like who's up here how many people are reading the Spanish signage on the uh, you know the uh, pay terminals or the um, you know the signs for the bathroom and things like that, how many people are reading the Spanish words? But there would be thousands that would read the French words, but they're not there because it's the corporate decision. It's pretty funny. We read them and we're like, what does that mean? What does that word mean? <clears throat> but they're now people are taking Spanish more than they used to. Well, I don't even know if it was offered when I was in school. We had a, uh, a new Harbor Freight uh, chain open in, uh, in Ridgecrest. And yeah. going through their aisles, most everything is labeled in Spanish. And the the one English word, well, it's, it's the same size type font, but you have to scroll all through all, through all this gobbledygook to find the English word. Yeah. So uh, that's a bit confusing. 
So anyway, uh, getting back to the, your political observations for uh, for the week. Um, again, we're just seeing high school kids running the country. No. And I think back to uh, to my high school days. We, we had. I guess trying to term it in in 2017 politically correct terminology, we had a group of of white gang members that just wanted to be jerks. And as they pass you walking down the hall or something, they'd grab your your ball cap and throw it on the ground and keep walking. Uh And they'd just do that to anybody and everybody. And they just wanted to be total jackasses the rest of their life. I I many years later learned every one of those kids that lived in that group their parents were freemasons they were taught that crappy attitude at home every one of them uh I, I keep okay. Mike Rivera over at what really happened is a declared atheist, which definitely knocks his IQ down to make a statement like that. And he he wants to bang religion so, quite often. And I keep coming back. Well, I think every religion started with what somebody thought was a good idea of of an ability to communicate with their creator. And we'll just say. We'll broad brush all religions with that, but they get quickly get infiltrated by one secret society after another that takes control and starts doing ugly stuff in the background under the guise of of whatever the religion is. On that goes, but uh, but man, this this mentality of being taught from from childhood to go ahead and be a class bully because that's how you're going to control the population. That's what they're taught as kids. And that grows up into it's the same jackasses running government. All levels. Local, county, state, and federal. Look at everything in the news. That's all juvenile behavior. Uh, I'm not sure of where everything's coming from. Uh, Honestly, I'm still in observation mode for a lot of it because I have a lot of friends that are in various types of organizations. And I, you know, I know people that are doing really good work and charitable work and all kinds of things regarding lodges and all that. And I know that at the upper echelons, supposedly it's quite different, but they don't know what everybody's doing in every layer of that. The lower layers, the ones that are, you know, your neighbors and friends or whatever, they are not like that. The ones I know aren't. I I told you I joined it when I was a kid. I just didn't continue. But, I mean, I associated with those people, and they weren't doing that stuff where I was. The the average church (laughs) attender sitting in the pew learns how to be a nice person and generally tries to take their their Sunday teachings out and into their, their weekly life. But let's look at the leaders here, and we keep we've in many shows in the past discussed psychopaths, and those are the ones who climb up into leadership in just about any organization, no matter how good the organization started to be. Harvard, I think, was was a Bible school initially. 
And boy, did it get taken over. But don't you think that a lot of things that happen in groups are because of human nature itself? Like there's, if you take a group of 20 people and you just set them at a task, you're going to find those same things shaking out in every group. You're going to have people who are taking advantage and some that are bullying somebody. And it's because their personality traits are coming out. There is the lowest common denominator philosophy that, that all humanity degenerates to the lowest common denominator. Uh, that that's, there's some truth to that. But, well, if that's uh, true, then you'd never want to associate with anyone that wasn't of your social standing. I have known people like that. They actually say something like that. Like if you tell them that somebody got engaged or you know they're going to marry somebody, they go, are they from a good family? What the heck is that supposed to mean? Are they from a good family? What does that mean? Well, that, Good breeding stock, or somebody who's making a lot of money, or that—that that is the you know, mentality. That's what they mean when they say it. Yeah. Is it a good family? Does it mean somebody will look good on the family tree? Is that what you marry someone yeah. for? That's what I want to say to them. Do you marry them for that, right. or do you marry them because you actually care about them? And there are people that really wouldn't marry somebody because they care about them. They would marry them because they want that pedigree in their family. I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Stay away from me. Get away. Just walk over there and keep walking. <laughs> you know, I don't get it. I don't get that kind of thing, that kind of thinking. But I've heard it from people because, like I say, I know a lot of people. But I just think I'm offended by a question like that. Like seriously offended. Like what? Is your well, family a good family? Do you come from a good family? Does it be? Whether it's uh, I come from a very moral family, I'm I'm proud of that. Yeah, but exactly. Uh, what is the criteria for a good family? Are you from a good family? That's what I always want to say. Exactly. In what way are you saying genetics? Like they don't like die young, or they're not a bunch of drinkers, or yeah. you nobody know. Nobody in my family has has a police record. I guess that would be one criteria. I don't know. If you're in the mob, you might want some good criminals. Bring uh, in, yeah. Well, you're, <laughs> along you're right. with the dowry, you need some dowry stuff. Depending too. on on the perspective you're looking at, uh, there are different criteria for uh, for what, whatever. I just but, can't uh, even imagine even asking that question. I would never say those words to anyone. The uh, <laughs> it, it's the Just yeah. Us Club that uh, the topic I brought up on the prior show was uh, denied opportunities that uh, that hits most anybody. And it's not just racial; it's uh, it's whatever economic class you were born into and grew up in. It's really hard to break out of it. And you look at various opportunities out there, and the facade surface of a career might be offered to you. Like I managed to meet all the qualifications and call myself a stockbroker. Was I anywhere near the salary of what? What Hollywood always glamorizes as happening on Wall Street, not in your life. I never came close to that kind of money. I, I was simply denied the opportunity of learning how to get into that position. Oh, you didn't work hard enough. Baloney, the only thing I was told to work on is here's a Los Angeles phone book. Go find some customers. That's the total BS level of management yeah. in most brokerage firms. And why so many stockbrokers fail and just get disappointed and, and move out is you want to 
you want to force me to go out and make enemies with thousands of people before you'll tell me how to go managing large accounts? That's total BS. I don't go along with that. I don't need to make enemies. I can, yeah, I, I, enemies find me. I, I don't need to find them. So, uh, anyway, just just what baloney you're, you're put through uh, in, in life is, is atrocious. So, anyway, I'm, I'm getting off off topic here. Uh, just one other thing I wanted to, to mention tonight, and this was my shocker of the week. Uh-oh. Um, through Internet conversations and whatnot, I've encountered two people over in... Uh, on the other side of the world, one is in uh, the war-torn, war-torn Ukraine area, trying to get out of the country. Uh, a real person, and then I met uh, another person over in Central Africa that is, and not Nigeria, uh, but they are facing this Islamic terrorist group called Boko Haram. Yep. And this person's the wrong color to uh, to be in that area and is trying to find a certain sum of money to get out of the country and over to some place that's safe. And I'd love to help them, but uh, news as it is, we tend to think that, uh, oh, Obama is shipping anybody like that over here in mass, and uh, all they got to do is raise their hand and they get a free ticket on a 747. I'm sorry, it's not the case. I don't know what Obama's criteria was for bringing in the refugees that he did, but it sure isn't reaching the people that I'm encountering. The people I'm encountering have to post, get a load of this, they have to post to the U.S. State Department a bank account of $10,000 to prove their ability to support themselves. That is what real refugee immigrants are being told by our State Department. This is a bit of an eye-opener here. The news media is, uh, well, our, our, let's put it this way, the Patriot Press is implying that Obama and the State Department under Obama was bringing them in by 747s and that they're all Muslim terrorists and whatnot. If there's any truth to that claim, who was weeding them out and telling them that they don't have to show proof of self-support. There is outrageous criminal activity going on in the State Department that's just not being reported. But here I am, now I'm talking to two people who are in those awkward situations. They really need to get out of those two countries. Where's the money for them to do that? Uh... Who is is writing a $10,000 check for each one of these people to come in or just forgetting to check that box on the visa? I don't know what's going on. But I just know the uh, the reality of someone trying to immigrate to this country for a legitimate reason versus what we're seeing in the news are two completely different stories. Yeah. I know somebody right now who has a... Um foreign husband who is in the middle of that. They don't just come in. They don't just come in. They have to wait years sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And they um, 
they just got married last, eh, I forget what, September maybe. They actually got married two years previous in a civil ceremony, and then they had a wedding like last fall. But, I mean, they don't know whether everything will finally get complete. They're going through all the stages, but it's not certainly not like they can just come in like some of these people were coming. They were like just bringing them in by the, you know, bus loads basically. Yeah. And how were they getting around the paperwork? We were being infiltrated. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. That's why people were complaining because they were saying this isn't right. What are you what are you guys doing? You know, saying that they're children and they're not. Well, so at at the same time that I am now meeting two and well one of these people has a relative that would be nice to get out of that situation too so we'll say three people I've encountered that are real human beings uh, all of them happen to share my own personal Christian beliefs also is which is why my sympathy goes out to them uh, they are in need of some help the desert Pete poor guy in the desert sure can't afford uh, now jumping back to an item I mentioned that I, I promised you I would never turn it into an infomercial, so I, I won't do it tonight either. But I have encountered this this investment system that utilizes Bitcoin that is performing outrageously well. Uh, the sad fact in my situation is that uh, it doesn't matter if it has 800 perform 800 percent a year performance. If you start with one penny, that means at the end of the year you have eight dollars, and I can't, still can't do much with eight dollars. Uh, it's the people that s- jump in with like ten thousand dollars and get eight hundred percent performance. They're quite wealthy at the end of the year. So I'm kind of stuck with with the dilemma of of knowing about that system and not really having enough capital to jump into it, but as I've joked about in other shows, when when times get just so lonely and depressing here in the desert, I keep my sanity by jumping on the Internet and browsing Zillow and looking at, uh, at mansions around the world, and primarily in Las Vegas area. Um, through another set of circumstances, I ran into a real estate lender, a private real estate lender in Las Vegas, who realizes how undervalued real estate is there. And I was kind of joking with him. I mentioned one very nice-looking home I I found. And when I told him where it was, he knew how undervalued that neighborhood was. He wanted to fund me this week. He never even met me. He just saw the value of the property, and he'd love to have that title on his collateral list. We're talking over a million dollars here that he had the ability to fund within 48 hours just for the sake of building up his his bank account collateral. And he had cash ready for that. Uh, I almost went into shock of seeing that much money available at the drop of a hat to play the Las Vegas real estate market. But when it comes to saving the lives of three human beings, there's just nothing out there. Um, 
this this economy is is bizarre. And, yeah, people uh, want things you don't think they're going to, and they don't want the things you think they would want. Yeah. Very strange. Uh, from other tidbits, I was under the impression that uh, that the Las Vegas real estate market was so slow that lenders didn't want to loan on it, but this is a private individual who is anxious to start acquiring uh, high-end home uh, deeds. So you, you having been in uh, in real estate, I'll, I'll I'll just throw that that option to you out there if you want to get into uh, uh, real estate in the Las Vegas area. I know a lender. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but there again, that's debt capital, and how are you going to make the payments? Hey, I had a an offer in the mail this past week for five hundred thousand uh, dollars. I thought that was pretty gutsy of them. I was laughing when I read it. I went, really, $500,000? That's not bad. He, he was going to, now, what did he want for collateral and how much it was? Pay? It was one where they send you out the letters, you know, and offer you deals. This was Swift Capital, if you heard of them. Swiss Capital, no, I haven't. Swift, Swift Capital. Oh, Swift Capital, Capital. Okay. yeah. And I also got an offer from my bank to uh, close out the paperwork on one of my loans and they'll give me a gift card. This is the bank that's been ignoring me for how many years now. Now they want me to get a gift card and do what they want, and I'm like, I'm just dragging my feet right to the bitter end. I'm, you know, quite laid back, and I don't care. Like, yeah, it's all about them. It's nothing about the customer, and I'm not I'm not playing their game anymore. So, oh, well, I could have a gift card, though, if I want, just as long as I do what they want. And what I think they're doing is they're trying to clean up the mess they made slowly, you know, incrementally, like just ignore me for a while. Because that deal from February that I mentioned at the beginning of February still has not been resolved. We're going now into June. I think that's a long time to wait yeah. when they want stuff like this. Right? Right. Yeah, it's disgusting. Eight, I've heard that a reverse mortgage is not a good idea. Uh, Correct. So, and I and I have thought about it before because I thought, well, that'd be cool. But I've heard it's not a good idea. It might be in some cases, though. Thinking about it that way, because if it's a house that nobody wants, like in, for example, you're living in a dive, then why not? The uh, <clears throat> they'd have to do an appraisal, though, and my house wouldn't appraise well right now. I still see the the only way out of this whole mess for poor people is through. Uh, Utilization of this of what's happening in Bitcoin right now, because yeah. uh, uh, Mike Rivera talks about Bitcoin as if it was a stock. Say with uh, and we've seen the fear mongering over on Rumor Mill saying, "Oh, 99% of the people who are playing the Bitcoin market now are going to lose their shirts." And well, comments like that are from people who don't understand what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is not a stock. It's not something that is going to drop to zero in value overnight when a CEO gets arrested. Bitcoin is a group effort that is replacing the Federal Reserve is what it's doing. And it's a whole new approach to currency. And other countries are waking up to it. And what happened in South Korea today is earth-shattering. Bitcoin itself, when I first mentioned it, a month ago, it was around twelve hundred dollars. 
and I got a position in this other trading system. I sure couldn't afford a, a whole Bitcoin, but I got a portion of one uh, when it was around $1,200. Uh, Bitcoin is trading today at $2,400. That's almost twice in just a little over a month. And then uh, even Mike Rivera was honest enough to print this story. Bitcoin is being traded in several different markets. Over on the Korean market, where they are suddenly concerned about their safety and their own national currency, Bitcoin traded as high as $4,000 today. Uh, it is being seen as the only international currency to get involved with right now. Now, the trouble with it shooting up in value like this is give it a couple of months, and it's going to be a rich man's game. Now, Bitcoin can be, uh, I'm spending way too much time on it, just that it, it can be divided down eight, uh, eight decimal places, decimal point eight places after the decimal point so that you can get it down to a realistic number of if you want to trade $100, well, I forget how many decimal places you have to go down, but you are able to get it down to a, a, an exchangeable rate relative to your own currency by doing that. Uh, but before Bitcoin becomes a true international currency, there's not enough to go around, and its value is going to skyrocket. That that prognosticator Cliff High says $10,000 by the end of the year. And I think he's correct. But when it gets up to that range, that means you're going to have to type decimal point and then go through six or seven zeros before you come up with a number relative to the $20 item you want to buy or something like that. So it's going to get awkward. And once it does become awkward, then Bitcoin shifts gears and becomes a rich man's game only. And that's a shame. Uh, it becomes Picasso art, and you don't find those available at your local art dealer. So uh, uh, then I don't know what the whole currency game is going to shift to after Bitcoin just prices itself out of the market. But uh, but at that point, it becomes a tremendous asset when you want collateral to like buy a skyscraper or make some humongous purchase. So it, it becomes a business asset rather than a personal asset. So anyway, that, that's the bizarre stuff that's going on with, with Bitcoin right now. So just mark Desert Pete's word that I first mentioned it when it was 1200 uh, and it's trading on the U.S. markets at uh, 2400 today. Yeah, I've been I've been noticing people have mentioned it on um, Godlike Productions too. Yeah, uh, oh. and it's it's not a stock; it is a uh, a currency replacement, and it's got way too many enthusiastic followers now for it to disappear. I think uh, I have a relative that's been buying it. So, because uh, he was talking about it before. So anyone who tackles it <coughs> uh, properly. I think this is that that verse I mentioned on the prior show out, out of the Old Testament, uh, out of the book of, of Joel, uh, Joel 2.25, of uh, restoring the years that the locusts have eaten. Yeah, exactly. For, for those of us who, in my case, my 
Milwaukee union signed a horrible contract and Milwaukee pension is pathetic in size. After 11 years of working there, the, the small amount I see every month is, is almost a joke. It, it, every dollar is appreciated when you're poor, as poor as I am, but it's certainly not enough to live on. And it doesn't even much augment Social <clears throat> Security. Uh, so for anybody who's... I know an airline pilot who when the airline he worked for all his life got taken over by somebody else, his pension disappeared. There was somebody who was looking toward a nice big pension coming up, and it just disappeared. It got swallowed up in the merger. So if you're in, the, in anyone in, in that position to where, where you got gypped out of a pension plan, or, or a decent pension in my case, uh, this Bitcoin is an opportunity right now that uh, that could replace that. So anyway, that's all I want to say. Again, I'm not going to jump into an infomercial here, uh, but the, just the shocker was to find that there there's still people working U.S. dollars that likes real estate and they want to fund large purchases of real estate real fast, which tells me there's there's literally millions of dollars sitting out there ready to move, but they want to see real estate deeds. In uh, in on high end property, certainly not run down slums. There, I don't think there's much money, if any, for that. Uh, to to buy old fixer uppers and clean them up, that that's a, a small investor kind of a project. But uh, but if you're looking at at existing high end homes, there's plenty of money to find in it, finance it. Is what I found out. So anyway, that's that's the bizarre economy that, that we're still in here. Yep. Um, that's uh, yeah. That's uh, that's the last of my notes. So we can make it a short, short show tonight. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I'm starting to feel you, but <laughs> a little yucky. So I probably should go lay down for a while. Um. Anyway, I'm glad that I got in though tonight. I was thinking about not doing it, and I went, no, you know, it's going to get too easy, and then I'll get lazy and say, well, you know, let's just not do it this night either. And I think it's important because, you know, there are very few people around. There's even less now, I think, around that are interested because once, um, you know, they saw, hey, somebody else is taking care of it, they all disappeared. So I don't even think the people are complaining as much anymore either. I knew it would start to taper off after a while, but so I'm I'm backing right off from some of these things as far as like the media, you know, making up stories and all that. I just they're they're knocking their own business down. They're gonna ruin they're, their own they're, livelihood. They're high, high school juveniles just trying to yeah. be jerks. Yeah. So Simple they're just gonna that. keep doing themselves in and and like Valiam saying, you know, it's showing more and more all the time their lives come out because they're going around in circles. They're not even they're not even trying anymore because they figure they can still do what they used to do and they can't. Because people are now, you know, paying attention to it and a lot of people, I think a lot of people have stopped watching the mainstream news anymore. I know I don't watch it very often cuz I'm just sickened by it. It's like, you know, something big will be happening and they'll be talking about somebody's flood in some city. It's like who cares? 
I mean, I'm I'm sorry for those people, but we don't live there, and it really doesn't impact all America when somebody's town floods. It's just a way to make you think, oh, my gosh, there's chaos. The weather is so bad, and we're all going to die from the global warming. But everybody that I know of has had some type of climate-related issue in the last few years where they had a flood or a fire or dry conditions or, you know, empty wells or something. It's just not national news material, in my opinion. <laughs> Something yeah. big happening in the world is a bigger story than that. Or a car accident. They do those, too. There was a car accident on I-something or other today, and it shows, like, a car off the road with, like, three trucks that are there. It's like, you know what? If it's not a 100-car pileup, it's really not that important because there's uh, accidents all over the United States every day. That's true. Some flame, some don't. Some roll over and some don't. I mean, it sounds harsh, but really, it's like they want us to be in a continual state of shock. And after a while, you just go numb to it. It's like, yeah, another car accident. That stinks. So, well. uh, On the uh, the tail end of the prior show, I guess Dottie had a question for me and asked my email, and I wasn't sure which one to give. Here, I'm going to post it. Uh this is my public email that I put on my my commute faster web domain. So uh, just yeah. Dottie just put Uda's uh, O O D A in in the subject line, and I'll I'll know it's you writing me. And uh, yeah, I was she was going to send to me and ask me to send to you, but she didn't. So yeah. it's not my thought or a question or whatever, but she well, didn't. it was probably a question that <laughs> slipped her mind. So, that yeah, could be. Uh, oh, the other thing to mention is uh, I'm trying to, to raise cash for uh, not only my own investments, but to help a few down-and-out people that uh, uh, I have here. So I put a personal item in Craigslist. I'm going to put it up here. There's no name mentioned in it, but uh, uh, if anybody out there wants a good metal detector, I need to turn that thing into cash. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because... Uh, so what kind list. is it? What type is it? It's a uh, Garrett. I put the link there of, of the the, uh, the Craigslist ad. It's a uh, okay. Garrett uh, GTI 2500. It's uh, it's one of the high end uh, metal detectors. Uh, differentiates What's gold from from other stuff. Wow. Uh, and it's. Uh, it's the only reason I can't use it. Yeah, I'm kind of surrounded by gold mines. You live in here, but. They all require a four-wheel drive to get to them. And I don't have $15,000 for a four-wheel drive. Uh, oh, really? And Terrible. I've seen four-wheel drives for like three or $4,000, but they're in non-op status, so you don't know what's broken down. And I tell you, it's it's not just legend. It's true stories here of people going out prospecting in the desert with an old with an old rig and it breaks down, and they don't make it back to town. Uh, we're, we're already in 100-plus weather here, and you just don't go out with a car that's going to break down on you. Yeah. So uh, that's why uh, why I'm just kind of giving up prospecting until I can afford something that's going to reliably get me out there and even more reliably get me back. And uh, that's not a $3,000 car. So, uh, 
anyway, at the meantime, uh, I see more profit to be made in Bitcoin, so that's why I'm trying to turn things into cash here as best I can and uh, do it. So uh, anybody listening to the show, it, it's in the uh, the chat room. Uh, and if they listen to the show three years from now, it'll probably be sold by then. <laughs> or, or or Desert Pete may not, may not be around. I, uh, I, I might yeah. get... Uh, might get financed and be moved moved over to uh, to Vegas. So, uh, but, well, that uh, would be good. It would be just good to have a change of scenery. I would think. You know. That that house. I mean, be where there's other people around that have at least some common interests. I mean, it's almost like you're out there in a prison program or something. I I tend to feel like that at times. Well, yeah, when you can't even go to an ATM, and then when you, I mean, for miles and miles, and then when you get there, it's not working. It's like, oh, my gosh. Well, that too. And when it doesn't work, you have to drive another 90 miles. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. It may have been a bad decision on my part. It's just that I, I hate mortgages, and when my my friend and I were both facing a disaster and he just had X amount of money, I said, well, let's find a place that you can pay cash for and never have a mortgage on. Well, that ended up being Trona, California. <laughs> it was the only place you could buy a house for for under $10,000. Uh, and uh, anyway, that that's history, but that was years ago. So anyway, not, not to dwell on personal stuff here too much, but... Uh, uh, but I'm still in shock that, that that particular home that I asked the guy about was my dream home. I think I mentioned on a prior show there are some homes that you find a layout that, my gracious, that layout is ideal. Uh, you can have guests stay over, and their bedroom is not right next to yours, and uh, nobody's stepping on each other's toes to uh, to go to a bathroom, and the, each bedroom has its own bathroom and I mean just every little ideal thing you, you dream about and, and what would your dream home have uh, that place had it and here's a guy who wants to finance me this week I gotta tell you this other thing he shoved in my face that just floored me uh, I told him the asking price of it which to, to Desert Pete that's a lot of money he tells me, offer him another 600000 if he'll be out in two weeks. Hmm. Go, what? You, only, you want me to tell him to move out in two weeks? Yeah, and he'd finance the extra 600000 He's offering 600000 over asking price. Uh, I don't but, know. Which was already 1.4 million. Now, yeah, when I talked this over my roommate, we punched into our amortization calculator and realized, well, let's see, payments on 200 on 2 million would be 15,000 dollars a month. Um, my bitcoins aren't doing that well yet, <laughs> so I better back off. <laughs> Yeah, and not commit somebody taking advantage either. Commit to a uh, a stupid move like that, but uh, I have no idea who who actually owns the home right now. I would have to imagine they're probably retiring and might be downsizing. 
Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to tell anybody you got to move out of your house in two weeks. Uh, I mean, man, I would sure love to live there myself. It it just. How, say, it how just, well it, do you know these people? I don't know them at all. I just found the listing on the internet. Yeah, it sounds like some type of thing that's. Or, or not you good. mean the, the the lender? Any of them? It sounds like something's not right with the whole deal. It sounds sort of. I don't know. My intuition is going off. Well, this is uh, this is Vegas, yeah. Vegas money, and Vegas money is known to be kind of strange at times. So, uh, yep. uh, it, it just my my point for the sh- show tonight is there is big money available for some stuff out there, but man, when you know people who got to save their lives by getting out of a bad country with crazy politics and. Uh, and even crazier religion stuff, uh, literally getting people killed. Um, I don't know. It feels like it might be a scam, though. It feels like it might be a scam, and that's the story for the scam. It has certain elements to it that sound like the Nigerian prince, in other words. Could be... Well, I had something come in my email, like, I forget what it was, maybe three weeks ago. It was a huge amount. Well, I'm trying to think how much it was. I was thinking it was a huge amount of money. It was an amount of money, anyway, that they were going to deliver to me through FedEx. I send it. I actually sent it to FedEx. I said, they're using your name of your company in this. <laughs> and I never heard back from them, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that's my report from the desert for this week. And uh it's definitely air conditioner weather here. And I moved uh we got after the, the rain damaged part of the roof, we uh the wind and rain we we shuffled air conditioners so now I have a small air conditioner in my bedroom here. Which uh, I have to turn off when I get on the phone. Oh, is my phone any quieter this week? Um, it sounds pretty good to me. Because I uh, finally took the initiative. I took it outdoors, disassembled the whole thing, and sprayed every electrical contact I could find with uh, what I was told by a microwave engineer was the best brand of, of contact cleaner available. So so it, if it's been corrosion on my phone causing most of the noise in the past, that should have fixed it. So... So anyway, as if we pair, compare several shows, this show might be quieter from uh, from Death Valley than, than other shows. Sounds pretty good to me, anyways. Oh, that's good. So it's, it's worth my time and effort. Uh, James, good, much better audio now, Pete. Okay, over. Yeah. All righty. Uh, that's it for here. So we'll uh, toss it back in your lap to to close off for the night and hopefully see everybody next week or, or on the on the alternative week is whatever yep, I hope is. hope everything will go well and we'll all be back in good health I'm hoping Amen. for good health for everybody yeah and I uh, I wouldn't come down on sweet potatoes there had to be something wrong with that particular one though 
No, I think it's sweet potatoes. I had a lot. Of, I had a great big sweet potato, and I like them. I haven't had them in a while, and I ate this huge sweet potato. At the time I was eating it, I was like, wow, this is a lot of sweet potato. And then after I felt really sick, like a couple of days later, I thought, my God, what the heck did I eat? The only thing really different that I ate was sweet potato. So I looked it up on the Internet. It's something you go look on the Internet. It's one of the things people mention is sweet potato. You wouldn't think so. You'd think it would be fine. But there's, you know, there's, I don't know, some kind of thing in it that's different than other vegetables. And Well, so. I, I know onions attract bacteria. That's why they can go bad and start smelling funny so so quickly after you cut them open. Yeah. Uh, Jim Stone did an article uh, today about beans. Something yeah. I'd never known before, that beans, you can't eat beans raw. You have to cook them. Now, that has to apply to only certain beans because, uh, shucks, lima beans, I've eaten those things raw. I've never had problems. Uh, sweet peas, I eat raw. Are, are peas a bean? Well, in a sense, they are. They're the seed. Yeah. Maybe they have a less, maybe they have a less hard shell or something. I eat, I eat peas, too. I like peas that way. Those yeah, I, ones you I can know. eat the pods and all, I like those. I've been told by people from South America that raw cashews are are dangerous, that those have to be cooked. I don't even know what's safe to eat at this point, honestly. Almost everything, I mean, really, feeling sick like that, I kept thinking, what can I eat? Can I eat this? Oh, no, because if you're sick, sometimes you'll get lactose intolerant. If you don't have it, you might get it now because you're sick. So it's like I don't want to give myself lactose intolerance. I love milk. I love cream. And I love ice cream, and I love cheese. I mean, I am like the walking, talking dairy, you know, queen. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so I don't want to have to not ever have any of those things again because they're a large part of my diet. So I was like, oh, no, I don't want to have lactose intolerance. Don't even say that. So, okay, so what am I going to eat because I don't feel that good? Okay, well, I can have soup. Well, you eat just soup out of a can, and what's in there? There's starch in there. There's wheat in there. It's like, okay, so now you've got wheat. And you've got, you know, not much to eat if you're a protein eater, which I am. I was having a great time trying to figure out what to eat. Okay, you can eat some chopped up apples, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was really that bad. But I did learn some other stuff, too, which I think relates. So if anybody has any digestive issues, here's one thing I learned that I thought was pretty darn interesting. It's called small intestine bacterial overgrowth. It's an actual thing. So if you have, you know, issues and you don't normally have issues, but now you have some huge issue that happens and you're wondering what the heck's going on, think about that because what um, supposedly what happens is you get like something that has a lot of sugar to it or whatever gets trapped in the small intestine, and it's feeding the bacteria in there. And it could be good bacteria, but it starts overgrowing and it gets really like out of control. And um, if you if you do get a blockage of some kind, where is it going to go? It can't go anywhere, so it just stays there. It's like festering, basically, stuck in there behind a valve, waiting to get its turn to leave. So um, I, I was like, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense, is bacterial overgrowth, because it, it also relates back to when I said I was sick for two years and I had to go do my own research and found out that 
a bacterial infection in the stomach lining was giving people ulcers. Um, not nerves, not their nerves, but a bacterial infection, so an illness. So then I did a you know a few doses of colloidal silver and and it did improve things. I was like, okay, so maybe it's maybe that's working then. It's killing off some of the bacteria, but you don't want to get all you don't want to kill all the bacteria because some of it's good and you need it there. Yeah. Well, but that is something that you know can give you a significant amount of discomfort because it's not going anywhere. It's just the imagine you're got, you've got like a you know fermenting tank going on and no place for the uh, you know the gases to be released from that. So I think that the I think that the cimethicone, the gas X or whatever you call it pills are really a good you know start to try to see if that works because it did work. It it worked almost immediately. I was like you've got to be kidding me. Because, you know, you build up gas in your system and see how far that goes. I had a friend of mine actually tell me, she said that she had a brother, they're like in their 80s now. He went to the hospital because he was in so much pain, and it turned out to be gas. And I was like, yeah, you spend all that money and it's gas? Come on, folks. You know, we got to figure this out because we can't be spending money on gas. <laughs> yep. Just get mommy to pat you on the back, right? Uh, well, regulating your bacteria count throughout your body properly, I don't know how you'd do that other than just keep everything flushing frequently. Yeah, if you're if you're generally not having a problem, you know that it's something different. That's what I was going on. It's something different. This isn't like, it's not appendicitis because I have no pain there. So it's not that. So what else is it? I'm saying it's because I ate sweet potato. I was also in a you know upset mood that weekend, so it wasn't like I was digesting well because I was probably ripping mad about something. <coughs> anyway, I am, I think, spent at this point and need to rest, so I should get off the... Okay. We need to give Veliam a little advice, too, because she's got some neighbor problems. Ooh. Um, they're harassing her at her domicile. So... I think that um, as far as that deal, it's like if the police have already come and, and seen the situation and talked to both parties, then you've already got it on record. So they shouldn't be wanting to make waves too much, especially if they're doing something nefarious over there that they shouldn't be doing because they're not going to want the law enforcement involved. So hopefully it goes all right. But my neighbor... I had to call the police on my neighbor a couple of years ago, or actually more than that now, but for making a veiled threat. And she was my, I thought she was my friend. She couldn't believe I called the cops. I was like, I'm not going to let somebody do that. You're not going to come over to the edge of the property line here and yell stuff at me like she did. Well, you know, I was just mad or something. I, was, I don't care. You're not doing it. She threatened, She basically threatened us with her husband when he got home. So I came in the house and called the police. I said, my neighbor just threatened me and my boyfriend, and I didn't like it. And they came up, and they what they told me to do was to keep a diary of any interactions that we had. And I know I don't think I ever had to write another... I didn't write anything in it. I don't think I had to, because I think it pretty much that was the uh, warning shot was, I'm not going to take it. 
So <clears throat> be mad if you want, all you want, but do it over at your own house, not here. And like I said, we made up before they left town. We were actually speaking to them again and everything. They had a lot of stress in losing a business and their home, and they were finding someone to take it out on. That's what happened. So we were convenient to be mad at. I've been told the uh, the one police call that in the LAPD at least that they are most fearful to go uh, go check out is one for domestic violence. They they don't know what they're going to encounter. Uh, if they know it's a drug dealer ready for a shootout, they know what what to expect. But uh, but a domestic violence situation, they they don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And just thinking of the the time I've lived here in Trona and the various domestic disputes I've heard on all three sides of me here, uh, my parents would never have talked to each other like that, ever. Yeah. The the screaming, the language, the open threats to each other, I've that's neighbors on all three sides at different times. Now now some of them have have toned it down and they seem to be friends with each other now. But uh I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. yeah. And people don't I mean, if it's not your issue, why do you have to be involved in listening to all this stuff? Well, that's like, it. You know, well, it's like, take your problem somewhere else. It has nothing to do with me, right? Yeah. But, uh, good grief, their husband and wife, why are they talking to each other like that? That That's... Some people thrive on it and they want to involve everyone else, so... That's that, what yeah, that's what you would expect between gang members in the city, not, not husbands and wives, but, uh... Well, maybe that's just the economic class I live here in Trona to to get exposed to that. But uh, I don't know. I, I want to move on with my life here and trying my best to, to afford to get out of here. Yep. One, one step at a time. So anyway, th- yep. there are some opportunities out there that hopefully we can uh, get lost pensions replaced, and uh, that's, that's my goal right now to... Uh, not only help myself get out of this ditch, but maybe help some others who have been exposed to the same problems. So anyway, that's the goal for the week. And uh, sign off and let you uh, close out for the night, and hopefully see everybody in good shape next week then. Okay, that sounds good. All right. Good night from here. Good night. Yeah, well, you guys, I'm glad you came. I'm so happy you came, actually. It was good to see you all. I have, like... um, just a kind of a light sick feeling right now so I'm hoping I don't have a fever again but I've been good all day I mean it was down to normal today so if I do have a little fever you know what I'm going for I'm going not for the gas bill I'm going for the colloidal silver but I think this is just my supper digesting and it's probably ugh. but we'll see I've been better every day for the past what two or three days so I think I'm on the mend and I hope you all have a good week, and I hope I see you um, next week and the president comes back and fires all the people at the White House that everybody keeps saying is going to happen. I want to see some heads rolling in the, now we have to say, in the figurative sense because people aren't smart enough to get that when they hear it, but you know what I mean. Um, I want to see people held responsible, let's put it that way, for their behavior 
don't want to see the hypocrisy that they're showing, which is that it's not okay for you to do this little minor thing, but we're doing this really huge thing over here, and you're supposed to look the other way about that. That's what we're seeing. So, All right, so eight's about to say over and out because that's what eight always does. Good night, eight. Valium, I hope that you do send your diary to us if you want to to make sure that you have somebody documenting. And I hope you don't have to deal with those people. You shouldn't even have to talk to them at all. It has nothing to do with you. They're just in your space. You can't even hardly, you know, it's like being a hostage or something, having people hanging around. And if they don't live there, they shouldn't be there hanging around. That is really not okay. I had some people do that at one of my properties, and they ended up driving everyone out. And then, of course, the person they were hanging out to see left too, and I ended up with a bunch of empty places just because of them, just because of them hanging out. So um, they don't have any business to be there if they're if they're not visiting the person, and they're not visiting if they're hanging out. So, um, and let's see what else. Oh, everybody seems to be having rain right now. James can too. Um, yeah, I remember you saying that, Valiam, that they were removing stuff from the trash so they could put their stuff in there. What the heck is wrong with people? They're like losing their minds. Oh, well, shared living space. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it isn't. I would say in this particular case it's not so good, but having all those kids in that little tiny apartment, something's not quite right. She's either got relatives' kids over there that she's keeping or... um I can't imagine it's foster care because they would do home visits and they would see that it's not a large enough place for that many children. So something's probably going on there, but if they're staying away from you at this point, I would just leave it alone and let the police report stand for itself that they came and talked to both of you. So anyway, that's my advice for now. Hopefully nothing more happens there. So. Um, and Dottie, I'll probably see you throughout the week, too. All right, then. I'm just blabbing now. i got to go lay down. So have a good night, you guys, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for coming. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.